And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Seven fifty-five is real with David O'Brien and Eric O'Flaherty. Welcome back to Seven Fifty-Five is Real. I'm David O'Brien, Braves writer for the Athletic, with my co-host Eric O'Flaherty, former Braves reliever. What's up, Eric? Not much, Dave. How you doing? Man, it's good. Slow, slow winter, yeah. huh? This is as slow as I've ever seen free agency and trades. Had to figure, you know. I mean, yep. it's, it's not surprising, but it's... We, we talked about it. I didn't even I mean, check any... You know, I didn't even look at anything over the, the holidays to see what was going on because I just kind of figured it'd be nothing, but... Yeah, there are a couple of things the last couple of days. Nothing major yeah. yet, though. There hasn't been a major anything yet, but... Hopefully it picks up soon. It's got to. I mean, you know, as we... No, it doesn't. <laughs> as we get inside of a month from spring training, I would think it would. You know, yeah. a couple more weeks. Anyway, we got a special guest today. So without further ado, let me introduce you guys all are probably familiar with him, Joe Posnaski, uh, who writes for The Athletic now, has written for many other uh, publications and one of the better baseball writers in the country, but writes a lot of other stuff too. So, But Joe's done a lot of stuff lately that really relevant to kind of what we've been talking about lately. So we wanted to get him on. Joe, welcome, man. It's great to be here. Absolutely. So you're doing this, you've been doing this hundred uh, best of, first of all, you did the hundred best players of all time, which was phenomenal. The series that ran all of last year, basically, right? Thank you. That was really good in the athletic. Uh, and then you've done, lately, you've been doing this, the hundred best players eligible for the Hall of Fame who aren't in it. And I think you're up to what, like number 16, Kenny Lofton? Is that... I today actually was number fifteen, uh, and it was a tie between Andrew Jones and Jim Edmonds. Oh so, man, so, yeah, that's so what we, I, was gonna, I haven't seen it yet. <laughs> that's what I was going to ask you about. There you go. <laughs> that is weird timing, man. All right, well, I was going to, you know, I was going to ask you. You know, mention Kenny Lofton. Obviously, the Braves. There's a Braves connection there too. But I was more interested in asking you because I had, I was going to tell you I had missed it if he was in the first eighty four. Because I had missed it, I was going to ask you, where is Andrew Jones on this list of the best players not in the Hall of Fame? Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's, you know, I've got him here right around 15. I mean, it's, uh, you know, you can have him higher, you can have him lower. I mean, he's obviously a very, look, he's a great Hall of Fame candidate. Uh, He's the best defensive center fielder I've ever seen. And, and, you know, obviously hit with power. The thing that was striking to me was how, how good Jim Edmonds was. And when you compare the two, that's that's how they ended up together because, you know, Edmonds was a great defensive center fielder. He was not as as great as, as Andrew, I don't believe, but he was great and, of course, made some of the most famous catches, made that, yeah. you know, sort of diving Willie Mays catch that everybody remembers. Yeah. Um, but Edmonds probably overall was a better hitter than Andrew. I mean, Andrew hit with power, uh, but Edmonds walked a lot and, right. and uh, you know, hit for a higher average. So... You know, when you put them together, I think they're very, very similar. And and to me, they both have very, very strong Hall of Fame cases. And and 
you know, I voted for Andrew uh, this year, and and uh, I think I would have uh, I would vote for Edmonds if he was on the ballot this year as well. My immediate reaction is uh, I voted for Andrew. I vote for him every year. Um, is and I and I don't feel like I'm a homer because I watched him uh, initially in his first couple of years when I was covering the Marlins um, in the late '90s, and then I got to see him when he was still in his prime here, and. You know, he's one of those guys, kind of like we talk about Antrelton Simmons a lot. He's one of those guys that uh, you have to see every day to fully appreciate how great they are and how much better they are than everybody else in their position. And uh, to me, that's Antrelton Simmons. I did not see him as play every day. I know the knock on Edmonds is that a lot of those spectacular catches he made, nobody would deny he's a great gold glover, uh, all that, but he made some catches that Andrew could have made if he had slowed down a little bit and dove. You know what right. I mean? But right. got under. Well, I think I actually think that's a big I wouldn't say an issue for Andrew, because I think everybody knows how great he yeah. was defensively, but he made it look so yeah. easy. I mean, that was such a big part of his game. Yeah. Uh, you know, they did something uh at MLB a couple of years ago where they had uh Lorenzo Kane and uh and Mike Trout. Essentially, they showed mm-hmm. the same fly ball for mm-hmm. both those guys, and they were played at about the same position. And uh, Mike Trout made this spectacular diving catch, and Lorenzo Cain just ran under it and made yeah, a play. Exactly. And that that kind of reminds me of Andrew. You know, exactly. I mean, it's like I don't remember Andrew making that many diving highlight plays. I just remember him running everything down, and of course, he had the great arm. I mean, he was he was he was incredible. He was he was absolutely an incredible defensive center fielder. See, I saw him play every day, so I saw him make a lot of those kind of catches. And and he and that's also why he played the last like four or five years of his career hurt, because he did make so many of those diving catches. His specialty was the diving catch coming in, which is mm-hmm. really hard. Because yeah. most guys look foolish when they make that dive. Sometimes they don't even have to. They'd be better off just running it all the way through and catching it at their shoe tops. But they try to dive. And it's really hard to time that ball, but Andrew made that look so easy, but he banged up those shoulders and played, you know, year after year doing that. But yeah. a couple of catches I saw him make, like one in Montreal when Tom Glavin was pitching, that uh, Mark Bowman and I agree it's the greatest catch we've ever seen in person, yeah. where he came from out of the picture in right center to catch the ball in left center, <laughs> you know, diving in shallow yeah. left center, and he was kind of playing deep, and it was and it saved the game. But – just incredible. Just yeah. and and played played shallow. So yes. he took you know took so many hits away. Yeah. But you couldn't hit it over his head. And the thing is that Andrew, what I find fascinating about Andrew's defensive, you know, genius, he wasn't that fast, right? I mean, he was no. fast, of course. I mean, but jumps. he wasn't right, right. He wasn't jumps. I've never yeah. seen he wasn't Kenny Lofton fast, no. right? He just absolutely had instincts like or nobody Devon else. White, he wasn't that fast. Right, yeah. right. But what he yeah, his instincts, I've never, ever seen anybody no. get a jump like Andrew got. Now, a lot of that, I, or part of that, what helped it, he had the best instincts I've ever seen, best first step, but it helped having those Hall of Fame pitchers. Sure. Because yeah, yeah. He, he, had, he had the 2015 vision. He had this depth perception. When they first started measuring depth perception and all that, they had to do his twice because they didn't believe the first score. And this is like mid, <laughs> late in his career. And they were like, that's, that's unbelievable. And they did it again. His depth perception was just ridiculous. So he had the 2015 vision. He said he could be in center field, see exactly where the catchers were setting up. And when you have Maddox, Glavin, Smoltz, 
there's a really good chance they're going to throw it exactly there. Yeah. yeah. So he had a good idea. Um, well, Eric, you well, can talk I'll about that. Or how much that helps a fielder read where the ball's going to, where he thinks it's going to go. He's got a lot better idea, right? If he knows where the pitch is going to go. Yeah, the same idea. thing with how they set up the shifts. You know, the shifts are effective because you pitch them into them, right? Yeah. But th- that's everybody that you know that I talked to that played with Andrew. That was what they talked about was the jumps, mm-hmm. and you're not going to see a, a Sports Center highlight reel of a guy just getting amazing yeah, jumps right. all day. So right. that 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 it's kind of like what you guys are saying. That hurts his case in a sense that if he'd gotten bad jumps and been lightning fast, <laughs> you think yeah. he's a better outfielder. But because he had that instinct, they said it, a lot of guys said it felt like he was running before the ball was hit. He was you know, sometimes. There yeah. is video of him actually taking yeah. off before the ball is hit. That's that's so, unreal. And well, that's you know, a, highlights never show. Uh, highlights always show the guy in his last like ten yeah, steps. Yeah, you know, or laying out for it or, or yeah. jumping up the wall. Yeah, but the thing, and, and Eric can speak to this. And you know, for for you and I, Dave, it's when you see other players in awe of a yeah, guy. Yeah, that's that's it. that's when you see. I mean, because like, look, everybody knew Jim Edmonds was a great. Uh, defensive outfielder, and he really was. And, and yes, a lot of it was show, and a lot of it was bad jumps that he would make. You know, save with diving right. plays. But he was a great outfielder for sure in his prime. Um, but man, you talk to players about Andrew Jones, and they just they they don't even know how he did it. You know that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, and, that's and the same have, thing with Simmons. You know, Andrelton. Yeah. I would I would told I, when I got traded over to Oakland, I told all the guys over there how good he was, and I wouldn't shut up about him because they would try to compare <laughs> other shortstops and say they were the best in the game. And we finally came to Atlanta, and they're watching him, and Andrelton's just standing straight up at shortstop. He doesn't even really get into a crouch or anything. He just stands there and gets his read. And they just, when they finally got to watch him play in person, they couldn't believe what a difference he made and how fast he was. But yeah, you just, you don't, you got to watch it every day to really appreciate it. I think when when you can get like 98% of the players to, to agree who played yeah. against yeah. him or with him. That he's yeah. the best ever at the position. I, well, who else did they say that about? Trout, as far was, as as all around player, as the best all player. player. Once right. guys see Trout, there nobody has any argument about somebody right. being better. And as they'll far say as that about. Go. And they'll say that about Barry Bonds. They might yep. couch it, but with same steroids. But they'll say, never been played at a higher level. He's the best hitter <laughs> I ever saw. Yeah, that's, but there's yeah. but there's there's only like four or five guys. Period. That's it. Yeah. You know, and, and oh, everybody yeah. says that about Andrew, who played with him or against him. Well, it's, I think for, for players, you know, look, there are so many, I mean, if you make it to the major leagues, obviously you're a great player. And then if you're a, a really good major league player, you're, you're an unbelievably great player. Yeah. And then those, there are those few. And I, Eric, you're exactly right. You hear players talk about Mike Trout and they're like, you know, I like, I, like you hear Joey Votto talk about Mike Trout. Yeah. And Joey Votto, who is, <laughs> yeah. you know, I think he's going to the Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. Joey Votto is like, I don't even understand how this guy does it. You know, I mean, it's like it's like another level, and I think that's what Andrew was in center field. He was just another level out there. Getting back to your hitting, uh, you're right. Uh, Edmonds was a better hitter. I think if Andrew had not all of a sudden mid career focused on hitting for power and put on yeah. the weight, yeah, it didn't it didn't hurt him defensively for a long time. It eventually caught up with him though, and being injured and getting overweight caught up with him at the end. He wasn't much of a fielder, and he actually DH some, but. I think if he'd have never focused on hitting for power, which he did hit for power, he hit 51 bombs one year. Yes. He had 92 in a two-year stretch. But if he'd have kept going, look at his stats in his first few years in the majors. The dude was a hell of a hitter, all-around hitter, like a 300 yeah. hitter with a high OBP. 
So no, that's right. He really no, changed right. what he and he used to and he could have been a 30-30 type guy too for ten years if he wanted to. But yeah, he got I, caught what, up in the whole power thing too. But I, I, I would also say it's awfully hard not to get up. Yeah caught up in the power thing. I yep. mean, you know, that's that's where the game was going. That's what the game, you know, required. Uh, but you're right. Look, you know, I mean, in, in 2000, uh, he hit 303, yep. uh, walked some, hit 36 homers, 36 doubles, stole 21 bases. I mean, that's that's a phenomenal, yeah. phenomenal season. Um, it's, it's interesting that 36 homers became not enough, but I think yeah. that's where yeah. the game headed, where it was like, you know, 36 homers, we, we can talk about this all day, 36 homers used to lead the league, yeah. right? I mean, it used to be, it, <laughs> it used to be like, you know, I mean, even, even in the early Barry Bonds days. Uh, and now you know, so it would hitting, be great. Now it would be fine. It would yeah, be, 36 yeah, is would, good now. That's all you yeah, need now. Be, no. But in that stretch, yeah, you know, and then he yeah. hit the 51 homers. He almost won the MVP that year. And, yeah. And, Pujols uh, had a cr- ridiculous year that year. To, which he did all yeah. through, through yeah. the 2000s. Him and Derek yeah. Lee so. both that, that year were both <laughs> terrific. Yeah, that's yeah. another thing I want to know, you know, if, if a guy, because MVP goes into consideration, you know, that helps your your status as a Hall of Fame sure candidate. But yep. what if you're playing during Barry Bonds' career? And you, you probably would have won five or six if it wasn't for him. <laughs> it's absolutely well, same true. same thing with Trout. Yeah. yeah. He played in the same career, same time as Miggy. What if Miggy and Trout had been separated, you know, by Well, years? but but – in, in those cases, I mean, they're both going to the Hall of Fame. So, right, I mean, it's right. not going to be yeah. – But, no, like, yeah. guys like Todd Helton, who, mm-hmm. you know, had a couple of MVP years, but not with Barry Bonds out there, no. you know. And 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 I thought that actually, um, you know, was the case for, for National League pitchers as well. I mean, you know, obviously when Maddox and Randy Johnson uh, were winning it every single year – uh, you could be you could be awfully good. I mean, that was the Mike Mussina thing, right? He never won a Cy Young mm-hmm. because he kept running into Clemens and and Santana and uh, you know all of these great great pitchers. So um, it is interesting. You know, sometimes everybody sort of feels like they have a down year, and you can sort of steal an MVP yeah. or a Cy Young, and and it changes. It does change the way people look at you when the Hall of Fame comes There's around. There's no doubt when you have that former MVP. When you have that MVP in front of your name, I mean, it's a one, it's like in the first line or two every time Chipper. There's Hall of Fame and That's right. former MVP. Dale yeah. Murphy. The first thing is always two-time MVP. Two MVPs, exactly. And, but he just had an odd career that's kept him out of the Hall of Fame so far, even though I think he belongs. He's coming I, up, right? You, you, as you, as you might imagine, yeah. he's coming up yeah. on the Hall of Fame. Uh, He'll get uh, in with list. the Veterans Committee. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, but you're, there's no doubt that if you and and to think that some guy, some one of us voters sitting at home could be <laughs> the difference, or a couple yeah. of us could be the difference in a guy getting MVP and runner-up. You know, it shouldn't mean anything, but when you're you going down that, <laughs> when you're going down that black ink on the right side at the end, when you're voting on the Hall of Fame, I look at that. I look at how many times a guy was like at least like top three or five in his league because I look at it as if a guy was top, you know, was eight, ten, and that was the best he was in his league. I'm like, I have a hard time voting for a guy for the Hall of right. Fame if he was never like one of the top five players in his league. You right. know, even if he did yeah. it for a long time. Well, I'll tell you what. I just did one. It's uh, there. There's there are a couple coming up, including Dale Murphy on my list. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, you know, I just did one, and there's a weird, weird like uh, probably too too convoluted to go into now. But in 1981, when there was the strike season, Raleigh Fingers won the MVP as a relief pitcher, and there were a couple of guys that had great years that are not in the Hall of Fame, probably at least in part because they didn't win the MVP uh-huh. that year because they decided to give it to a relief pitcher. And 
Uh, not saying that Raleigh Fingers, he had a great year, but- A reliever uh, shouldn't win MVP. I don't think a reliever should win MVP. No. I think you're right. No. No I think you're right. Get Cy Young. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. There's no, that, yeah. The, uh, I went back. It's funny because uh, Hank only won one MVP. Amazing. And when I say it, people are like, how did he only win one? So I went back and looked at all the years where he well, finished second a- or third. Yeah. There were- Two or three, there might have been three years, two years at least, where he finished second to Ernie Banks. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> you know, he had about. like some of the greatest players ever were playing in that era. So Hank was yeah, always in the top five. You know? It's hard to win the MVP when it's Willie Mays and Ernie Banks yeah. and Roberto Clemente. And, you know, yeah. I mean, that's, yeah. that, that's, that's going to take a few MVP away from you, you know? And you're talking about Andrew Jones. I was hard not to get caught up in a power and start trying to focus. There's so few guys that could do what he did all of them that could hit for the high average and power there's hank aaron there's willie mays there's uh uh uh, mickey mantle there's ted ted williams babe ruth that's about it i mean and barry bonds obviously with steroids but i mean you know that could hit for big power and big average yeah mike trout i mean you know yeah if you're looking contemporaries yeah a guy that uh that's doing a guy that's doing it a little bit uh, even though you just don't, the power, I never know where it comes from is Mookie, right? Mookie Betts. Yeah. Oh, mean, no doubt. You know, it's like 5'9", I mean, probably 175 pounds. It's like Hank Aaron's but, size when Hank was playing. I mean, he's smaller. And I think there's a lot to that. I think yeah. there's a lot of comparisons with yeah. the way they swing the bat uh, with the between Mookie run. and Hank Aaron. And, well, yeah, the way they play, they, yeah. you know, both right fielders and all that about the same size. Uh, the thing that's crazy about Mookie Betts is his number of multi-homer games, right? Yeah. I mean, he's got six six three homer games or whatever it is and i mean you know it's it's just incredible but yeah that's a rare rare thing to have somebody who who can hit for a high average and hit for power um you know and play and play defense that's why to me when you look at a guy like andrew jones and to a lesser extent a guy like jim edmonds there are not many players that do everything. That's, no. I mean, that is such a small list of players that right. hit for average, hit for power, uh, run the bases, play great defense, have great arms. That you know that five tool thing. There's only a yeah, handful are, of them these in the game. Only that's why that's why to me, Larry Walker was all a fan. Yep, me too. Because yeah. he was one of those guys who could do that. Absolutely, you know? and stay healthy. <laughs> I tell people when he was healthy. Larry Walker was one of the best five all-around players that I've ever seen in person. Yeah, he was that right. good. I saw him he in Montreal, was. and then I saw him in Colorado, and he was phenomenal. Phenomenal, phenomenal. But he just got yeah. hurt so much. But Chipper did that, by the way. Chipper was was a little bit of that. Now Chipper's defense was always because he was switching positions, you know, and and playing everything. But, but he was really you know, good at third base. Yeah, late oh in his my career, gosh. especially coming Absolutely. in, nobody made that bare hand play coming in better than well, him. and a totally underrated base runner, especially oh, yeah. early in Terrific his career. Base really, really great base runner. He was switch hitter, tools. average and power. He was just no did doubt it five tools. Did yeah. it all. Yeah. But and now in the game, you've got there's a handful of them, but that's about it. I mean, you got your. You got Betts, you got Tatis, you got Acuna, you know. There's a few. Yep. You got Trout. I think Juan on, Soto's. I, I think Juan Soto's going to be there. I mean, that's that. There's a how guy Soto's that, defense. Uh, not that good. It's not that. It's good, not that good. But it's, that, that, that's the thing. That's the thing is he might be. He's definitely one of the five best players now. He might be the best overall hitter. He's unbelievable. But you know what he else though? Unbelievable. You could he argue is. that Mike Trout's not a five-tool guy because his arm's not that great. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you know, well, you got to have a great, you got to have great tools at all five, right? 
It's kind of crazy to say he might not be because his other tools are so ridiculous. Yeah, I was going to say when you're so plus, plus really plus matter. on all the yeah, other tools. Yeah, it doesn't really matter. Tools, yeah, right. yeah but, he's got an extra plus to, to go around. But, like, you know what? I didn't really fully appreciate Mookie Betts until I saw him in that every day in that NLCS. Yeah. I mean, this what kid, he's like what five foot eight, and he does everything. He's so athletic. I mean, he can jump through the roof. He can fly. He's got a great arm, great instincts, hits for power. Yeah. That catch he made in right field. And and he changed the whole game with that catch. Um, Sure did. Sure did. And then the play in center. And then he changed that other game with the throw. Yeah, the play in center. They threw out Dansby. Just incredible. Honestly, that's probably the most impressive thing I've seen is that throw. They have somebody took a video from him behind in Mm -hmm. Tampa. And he throws yeah. a dude out from third by the warning track. I mean, <laughs> as a pitcher, I appreciate it because I can't. I, there's never been a point in my life when I could have made that throw. And this dude, I mean, they, you watch position players throw when they play catch, they just lob the ball around. They don't build any arm strength, and they just have it. And yeah. he launches it from the right field foul pole on a line to third base. It's just, just unbelievable talent. Yeah, they're the five-two player though. There are not many of them left. Uh, you know, I don't know that there ever were a ton of them, but. You know, well, the guys hard. like the Willie Mays, the Mickey Mantles, the, you know, those guys. Uh, yeah. There's well, only I mean, look, you could, you could, you could argue Mantle was only, you know, so so in center field. I mean, he was not, yeah. he was certainly average and maybe above average, but he was not a great center yeah, field. Yeah. I don't know so. how he was defensive. I know he's had good arm, but yeah. He, yeah, I, had a good arm. I don't and know he was, about he the was, it was, yeah. I mean, he was certainly good out there, but he was not gold glove good. You know, so it's when you start talking yeah. about who is a gold glover. Who who uh, can steal you know or or be incredibly on the bases whether they can steal thirty or not yeah. is you know beyond that uh, hits for average hits for power walks does everything like I mean yeah yeah that's super duper hard to do you got Tatis he's another one right now today there's a few Tatis of them right is now. a guy there's a few yeah. of them but Acuna yeah. Acuna has the, the potential to be just. Oh, I mean, Cunha's all five tools. Charts. All five tools are top of the scale. Well, just I think about. a guy like Lind- Lindor. Oh, yeah. I yeah. mean, Lindor, you know. Arenado, too. Yeah. Arenado is what a player. Yeah, yeah, yeah he's Arenado. he's so – if he wasn't playing in Colorado, I mean, he's so underrated. Yeah. I think he's he'll amazing. be appreciated probably when he gets traded and goes somewhere else. And uh, Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I have no doubt, even though his, his numbers, there's that disparity right now. There's no doubt in my mind he'll he'll turn that. Those, those will get a lot more even when he goes somewhere else. People forget or don't realize – that that can be a detriment too. While the guys like play their whole career in Colorado, because they have to adjust, they go on the road and it's so different. And then they have it's to adjust so right. when they come back. But it's not easy, man. It can't just flip a switch and play a different game when they go on the road than what they're used to playing at, at Coors Field. Yeah, and you got to stay healthy in that thin air. Yep. You know, every time Hard. we went to Colorado, my back would blow up on me. And they're always in different time zones. That was one mm-hmm. thing I talked to Michael Kadire about that when we were playing with the Mets. And he was saying, you know, his case for Todd Helton was how hard it is to adjust mm-hmm. to playing in Colorado because you're always going to all these different time zones, jumping all over, and then you come back to that thin air after being out of That's it. That's a great point. You go in and out That's of it. You know, you got to respect guys' health in Colorado. Yeah. That's yeah. a great, great point. Yeah. And, you know, and Helton played every day. I mean, every Helton day. was on her 62. Yeah. You, know, oh, yeah. Uh, you get tired I mean, as hell when you're out in Colorado, man. Well, you're out there for a week, exactly. go skiing or whatever. You're tired, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you run like two poles. Yeah. As a pitcher, they tell you to go run 10. You're you run that first high, one, man. you're out of breath. Yeah. Yeah. It's a big you're change. Been, yeah. It's, uh, you got to respect that. You can't just say it's it's all plus playing that, that, that field. Yeah. You know, Eric, let's hear from today's sponsors. 
Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. While we, while we have, where's Murph coming up? Can you give it away? Uh, I've written Murph already, I can Top tell 10? you. So it is coming up. He's, he, he's either... He's either 11 or 10, I think. I mean, he's right there. Uh, he is my, you know, uh, we've talked about this before. He's my he's my pet. You know, he's yeah. my guy. I mean, I he's the guy him. I want in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. And love look, him. I what I tried to do, because I've written about him so many times, um, what I tried to do in this one was try to make the case in a different way. So uh, I'll leave that out there. Uh-huh. But, um, you know, I think that the, the argument for Dale Murphy is – you know, first of all, for for an eight year stretch, yep. he was as good as anybody in baseball. Yep. I mean, that's that. Look, that's enough. That's I enough. don't know. That's enough. Yeah, I, I don't agree. know wh- what does what does it matter if he has five mediocre years uh-huh. to pad the numbers, right? That doesn't yeah. do anything. If he would have just second, quit, if he'd have quit four years before he did, right, he would be a better candidate in the view of many. But he kept trying which to is, play, and why does he get is, knocked for that? <laughs> that it's exactly right. Why would you get knocked for that? Andrew does so, too. Andrew gets yeah. Same with it. Andrew. I think everybody kind of does I, who stays we should, on. We like, shouldn't do that though, you know. Well, it leaves I that agree. impression too, though. You know, everybody's yep. last impression yep. of you is it's you gimping around the field and not being right. the same guy. It's easy to forget, you know, who you I, were. I think that's affecting Pujols. And look, it's not going to affect his Hall of Fame case. He's going to the Hall of Fame. But how you, you know, you, remembered. You oh, know, nobody appreciates how damn good Pujols was when you exactly. watch him. I mean, he yeah. looks like he's running on hot lava when he runs around the infield now. You know, like he, <laughs> yeah, he hits right. a double and he can barely get there. But you watched him play in, your pro- in his prime. If you oh, saw that. For a decade, I mean, it, he was just ridiculous. Yeah. He's as good a player as I've ever seen. I mean, yeah. he, he really was in his prime. Yeah. And and you have a whole generation of people who have only seen this version of Pujols. Right, you know? so, right. So that's really sad. But back to Murph, the, you know, look, there is there is an argument that needs to be made that I wish was made a lot more. And that is, I don't believe that the character clause that was put right. into the Hall of Fame yep. was intended to keep people out. I think it was intended to incorporate more yes. yeah. People who point. represented the game and nobody represented the game better than Dale Murphy, right? Yes. Nobody. And That's kind of my problem with it. if it's going to keep guys like Schilling out, I yeah. vote for Schilling. It but has I can't to get stand Dale Schilling in. and some right. guys let, not being able to stand him prevent them from voting or guys for sure. domestic abuse or whatever. If you're right. going to knock guys for that, you, you have to give in. Murph and McGriff, you have to give them points yes. for yeah. being yes. exemplary citizens throughout their entire career. And then for the 40 years since he retired. Well, just representing the game. I mean, you know, how many years. people became baseball fans yeah. because of Dale Murphy? Yeah. I mean, that's, I, I, to me, it's, it's ridiculous. It's not 
it's not just ridiculous he's not in the Hall of Fame because look, it's that's a very high barrier to yeah. clear. Seventy five percent. He's never yeah. gotten close. I've never gotten he's close. Never that's gotten what's, that's close. what. That's what I can't believe is how he's yeah. not, and, and McGriff's never gotten forty percent. Right. So I'm right. like, if you if he had seventy and felt like a few votes shy, it's one thing. But I look at Murph and I'm like, everybody loves Murph. So why yes. do they allow this? You know, look at the end of his career or is it is like his OBP and they let that. They let that uh, offset the fact that, like you said, for about eight years, eight years, it was him and Mike Schmidt were the best players in the league over that decade. How can you not be the best player, one of the two best players in your league for almost a decade? And then, but then guys will let guys like Bobby Abreu in, who, great player or damn good player, but he was never, he couldn't hold Murph's jock for Murph's peak years. Well, I think that the Hall of Fame needs to be so much more geared toward the who were the very best players in right. the game. I mean, you had I, to be you one know, of the best I mean, players in the game for I, a period. I'm not opposed to you know, look, a guy like Don Sutton who was never the best pitcher but won 300 games yeah. and was you know really really good for a very long time. Yeah, I think he belongs in the Hall of Fame. I mean, the I do. The greatest compiler should get in, but it has to right. be what. It has when to you be can great pull, compilers, right? When you can push to that yeah, level, yeah, twenty yeah. years, that <laughs> yeah. good for that long, twenty years, you should be in the hall. Yeah. Even if you yeah. got to right. play till fifty-two, if you get three hundred <laughs> wins somehow, and yeah. say, I mean, or three thousand hits, or yeah. five hundred yeah. homers, and you play, you know, and you play twenty years, you're in, man. Yeah, yeah. No, and McGriff's right. in for I, that. McGriff did that. Mag- yeah. That's the McGriff thing. That's so annoying. Is he's in the Hall of Fame if he had seven more home runs? Exactly. Yeah. Right. And the strike. And the strike. Right. Two two years of the strike. He has five hundred homers. People well, just plus said, he he hit more than seven home runs in the postseason. Exactly. I mean, those don't count. Right. I mean, like, yeah. right. you know, just because yeah. baseball doesn't count in the postseason. Other sports, some other sports do. But right. But there's no doubt he would have had those seven regular season homers without the strike. Why can't oh, people absolutely. just accept that? Just look well, at how many homers he hit. You know he would have had 500 homers. So act as though he did. But he'll go. He'll cares, go really you know? soon. He'll go numbers. soon. I mean, he'll the first time he comes up for the veterans ballot, he'll go. But I, I thought think. Murph would come up in the veterans val- veterans ballot and get right in. And I couldn't believe it, the way the Veterans Committee especially was stacked that year with Braves connections. Sherholtz, Cox, it was a player on there. Sutton was on there. And Murph didn't even get like seven votes. I'm like, how does that happen? You I know? don't. And, and then I, I heard. Really, but then I heard, you know how Baines got in? Tony LaRusa lobbied his ass off for him sure at that meeting. So sure Murph did. probably didn't have somebody stepping up for him and doing that. You got to. You got to. It is, yeah, you need to have somebody. You got to twist arms, just, man. Twist arms. You do, and you have to do in in room dealings and look. And I hate that. That's, that's, what that's what not doing really the NFL. Yeah. Down they do to. that. But that's what they do for the NFL. You're right. Yep. Oh, look, I Close to me, the, the argument with Murphy is, okay, look at it from a reverse with Murphy. Okay, how could you win two MVPs and five gold gloves and and be the, you know, pretty much the acknowledged best player in the game for six, seven, eight years yep. and not be in the Hall of Fame? What did he do to not go in the Hall of Fame when you've done that? And then you have to start saying, oh, well, he his career ended short. Right. He was hurt. He, they start he looking struggled for in his last two years. To. The numbers and look at numbers. How do you come up with that? I mean, you know, and then you talk about what an exemplary person he is. Again, to me, it's 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 absurd that Dale Murphy's not in the Hall. People of Fame. look for an average. They'll go like, okay, who's got the lowest batting average in the, in the Hall of Fame? Okay, then uh, Andrews two fifty, whatever. He can't go in. Right. So they right. look for reasons. It's almost like not to get him in. Like here's a funny one, and they don't they don't people compare. 
uh, eras of the game as though the same emphasis was placed on a certain stat then right. when it wasn't. Right. This going back and doing war and doing OPS and stuff for at times when here's the here's the classic example for me, Andre. Dawson, my favorite player. I covered him, loved him as like in high school, loved him. And then I ended up covering him at the end of his career with the Marlins. And another exemplary person. And oh my God, amazing guy. But he was one of the most dominant two or three players in the game for like almost a decade. He was scary at the plate in Montreal, in Chicago, and with Boston. You know, big markets, Chicago and Boston, great numbers. And you know what the one knock on him, what people said was? Yeah, but his OBP was 320 or something. I'm like, nobody when he played ever, ever mentioned that Andre Dawson didn't get on base enough. That wasn't his job. Guys, we're not told to get on base when you hit like Andre Dawson. It was go up there and try to drive that guy in, you know, or hit a hard ground or whatever, but they're not up there trying to draw walks, you know? so, So to go retroactively and hold that against him is asinine to me. OBP. Yeah, you could you could think about how many home runs these guys would hit that have four, you know, almost five hundred. If if it was today's game where the home yeah. runs valued oh, yeah. more, I mean, maybe yeah. he had six hundred and striking out two hundred times is not yeah. a big deal, you know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the game's just different. Yeah, they put it's the ball in play. That's man. a good point. They put the ball in play. They, you know, they like Chipper never struck out a hundred times in his career, and he wasn't no. like he wasn't playing in the fifties. Hank didn't either, but Chipper was playing. You know, it wasn't that long ago. But no. nowadays. Um, 150, like even a high quality hitter like yeah. Freddie Freeman can strike out 150 times and nobody well, Mike cares. Mike Trout will strike out 100 yep. plus, 125, yep. 150 times. Yeah, absolutely. He'll also walk 100 plus times. Right. I mean, you know, that's that's just what the game has come to. But, those you know, guys it's weren't just, up it there looking a, for walks, though. A lot of those guys. Well, it's a you different game. Yeah. Again, with, with Dawson, again, to me, the same argument is with Murph. Five tools, by the way, through the five, roof. Both of those guys, yeah. though. I mean, and Dawson you know, played look, on banged up knees that he had an ACL in high school well, when they used to rip your knee open and then see what was in there. Right, and, and he then played he played on that at, terrible turf yep. in Montreal. One year at Jerry, ter- at one year at Jerry Park on the frozen tundra outside, <laughs> and then on the concrete artificial turf for like ten with that knee. Yeah. It's amazing. I saw him yeah. at the Marlins and what he had to go through to play those last couple years. He had knee, his knee, he showed me an x-ray of his knee and there was only like one portion of it was still connected with tissue. It was so bowed <laughs> out and he had to wrap it up like heavy every day just to go out and take batting practice. And then he'd come back in, get in the hot tub, then wrap it again so he could get in and be ready for a pinch hit appearance. But his knees were so shot, he since had them both fixed and a hip. Well, I mean, it's so, look, both of those guys, and, and by the way, you know, uh, Andre Dawson has made it very clear how great he thinks Murphy was. Yeah. You know, look, they were contemporaries yeah. and and all that. But both of those guys, what did they do? They they you know, I mean, Andre started in center field and then became a great right fielder later. Um, but both center fielders both ran, both you know. I mean, look, Murph had a 30-30 season, yeah. you know, and Murph Dawson he was a big really run, run in his early days. Yeah, uh, both Gold Glove winners out there, both hit for average, both hit for power in their primes. I mean. That's it. And that's that's the that's exactly the five tools that we're talking about. That you know there are just very 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 few players. And Murph is another example, as is Dawson, as is a couple of the other guys we've talked about. Where look, he he played every yeah. single. That's day. what I was going to say. He got beat up. He's a six five guy yeah. playing center field every single day. Yeah. Of course, he's done at thirty two. And I mean, caught the first couple of years too. Yeah, and caught. That's right. Came up as a oh, catcher. Oh, caught yeah. too. Yeah, I mean that. Yeah, yeah. Too his knees and back were back were just. He played. 
with them wrecked. He could barely walk when he was playing out in Colorado at the end of his career. Oh yeah, but he wanted to Absolutely. keep playing, man. That's what he did. He was and like we and, loved it. And like Andre Dawson said, Andre nowadays he would have played maybe a hundred games a year in the condition he was in. He played every right. day. He just wrapped it up, went out in the turf and played. And he said, "I'm a ball player. That's what I, I play." Yeah. So what those guys did. And he was. They, of course, that's and, what they had to do. Also, and they, were, they were not. They weren't given that option. Right. To, and, to, but Andre you know, was the guy that the other team was trying to stop. Stop everywhere he was too. He was the best player on his team. You know. I mean, Andre was terrific. God. Andre was look, both those guys. Menace. Andre, uh, Andre, and and Tim Raines when they were in Montreal. I mean, they're that. Oh, they had. A they were both Hall of Famers. They had Cromartie. Yeah, no. They had. They had. They had some some nice lineups there. Oh yeah, they didn't have the training staffs we have today either. Oh you know, God, it's like they didn't have lasers, <laughs> chambers, everything. They had ice and Advil. <laughs> you know, right? It's a lot harder to stay on the field with. And if you have an ACL now, they go in and do it arthroscopically. You're back in like four months. Back then, it was career threatening. You missed a yeah. whole year. Oh, yeah. Look at Chipper. Absolutely. Even when Chipper yeah. did his, missed a whole year. He's yeah. back in three or four months now, and they don't even well, have to, some- to open it up. And there's something else about those guys that you know it's just different. They didn't. They didn't work out. No, I mean, no. you know, I mean, they just didn't. Yeah. They thought, you know, at the time that everybody was saying, ah, it's going to make you too muscular, too tight. Yeah. You're not going to be able to play. And so, you know, you look at the flexibility things that, that guys do now. Uh, yeah. It's incredible. It's just incredible. I mean, they just, people, you know, the other thing was during the off season, those guys would smoke and, yeah. and, 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 you know, yeah. <laughs> exactly. and a lot of them had jobs. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I, so, so they'd come back and that was, that was when spring training was really right. to get back yeah. into shape. I wonder you know? what percent of those guys had personal trainers. Oh my God. <laughs> you know? And chefs. None. Chefs. <laughs> Yeah, chefs and personal trainers. I mean, uh, just the nutrition, in-home gyms and all that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Different. Speaking of, uh, did you see, happen to see, Eric, the, the video I posted of Acuna that he put it on Instagram? Uh, which one? Dude, that guy is getting after it down in Venezuela because they wouldn't let him play winter ball, you know? So right he's working out. He's, work, he's playing in some, like, fun pickup games with, like, family and friends. Like, because he's a god down there, so they get, yeah, like, like... I saw that video. People come out, and they have these little cheap uniforms, and they'll go out and hit home, hit home runs. But he is working his ass off. He put a video up that was, like, 50 minutes long, and he's playing all... He's working out on these dusty fields. There's, like, dust everywhere. He's doing these side... These football drills and baseball drills and and the balls and, meta, you know, all the... Everything. He's working out inside, outside. He's got a trainer. It looks to be in terrific shape too. I mean, well, I think that's all- what you you know you could easy. It's easy to forget with him that he's still growing into his body yeah. too. You know, I mean, yeah. he could put on another twenty pounds of muscle. Easy, but and he's already able to hit a ball twenty rows deep to off the field. He he is so fired up because that wrist really slowed him last year. Yeah, man, this might be the year if he's going to get forty forty. He's got to do it now. It's got to be a couple soon. years. But I think regardless, he hits forty to forty five homers this year. Regardless, you can see it. Yeah, might as still- long as you get a full season. Oh yeah, yeah. He's he looks phenomenal though. Um, so so you grew up a, an Indians fan, and what did you think of uh, of Kenny Lofton? Well, uh, he's a good dude there, you know, right? And Cleveland, he was he was yeah he's he was huge. Yeah, um, Kenny Lofton was a great player. Yeah. I, my my big beef. I just wrote about Kenny Lofton as you mentioned. Yeah, uh, my big beef with Kenny Lofton was that he fell off the bat after one year. I mean, nobody even really looked at his case, yeah. looked at his, you know, and, and it wasn't anybody's fault. He happened to come on the ballot the year right. that Schilling and Bonds and, yeah. and uh, Clemens and a bunch of other guys came on the ballot. So, you know, it was, it was just too crazy, 
But um, look, Lofton was a guy. He wasn't a five tool guy, but Lofton uh, was a great. You know, obviously he was the you know probably the fastest guy in baseball in, yeah. his, in his prime. Uh, incredible, you know, really, really a good hitter. Yeah. I mean, Dang. that was the big knock on him growing up, uh, you know, in the minors was, you know, he was a basketball player yeah. in, in college and, yeah. and they're like, he's never going to hit, but he came up and hit right away in the big leagues. I mean, three forty, three fifty kind of hitter uh-huh. in the big leagues, stealing 60, 70 bases, playing great defense, very different from Andrew kind of defense because he just outran the fast. Yeah. yeah, he was so fast, but he ran down everything. I mean, he was an absolute, you know, he was fantastic as an as an outfielder and hit for enough power for, you know, great, great teams in Cleveland in those days. So, you know, uh, you know to me, again, there's so many guys that are like Hall of Famer, not a Hall of Famer. It depends on where you draw the line, right. where you we, think, you know, but he was a terrific, terrific player. I tell you what killed him. Any chance he had on Hall of Fame, why he fell off? He played 10 years for Cleveland. So he's a god right. there, right? Yep. In the second yeah, half of his career. Around. Oh my God, there's bouncing around. Yeah, like and there's what he did. Teams, he yeah. played <laughs> one season or less for 10 other teams. Yeah, no, that's right. So that's right. when you do that, that really kills your chances in the Hall of Fame when you bounce around that much. It hurt McGriff. He didn't even bounce around like that. Best too. You know, when you do it when you're hot and you're putting up those numbers and everybody sees you at your best, but everybody got to see him on the yeah. backside. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's right. Well, I think there are a lot of reasons that happens. I mean, one is, of course, that that basic thing, but there's also just sort of a there's like a com, you know a camouflaging type of thing where like the career is broken up into so many different pieces yeah. that nobody really sees the whole picture anymore. You know, when 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 you're looking at look, I think that really hurt David Cohn for his Hall of Fame. I mean, probably not quite getting to 200 wins also hurt him, but you know, playing for multiple teams. Yeah. There's there's also, you know, I I think about when Andre Dawson, you mentioned Andre. Yeah. When Andre Dawson and Jim Rice were both on the ballot. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I I think most people would would say without hesitation Andre Dawson was a better player than Jim Absolutely. Rice, as good a player as Jim Rice was, but Jim Rice played his whole career yeah. in Boston. Yeah. And that was a huge Boston throng of people pushing yep. Andre Daw. I mean, pushing Jim Rice yep. and Andre. You know, played in Montreal where there's that's not a big push. And yep. then he played for the Cubs, but not really long enough to to make him a a full fledged Cub. Right. I don't think. And that was so, and they were really know, bad then. And they were really bad then. Although he was he was he, was he won MVP fantastic won, last won the team. MVP for a last place Cubs team in '87, right? And so you know, so I do think that's another thing that hurts. I mean. Lofton to me played long enough in Cleveland that he should have a a really big Cleveland backing, and I yep. think he probably does to some degree. But frankly, I think in Cleveland the the push is more for Viscal than it is for Lofton. Yeah. So, so I think that's part of it a, for sure. A lot of it also, like you said, if depends on the era you play with a team. Jim Rice played for some good Red Sox teams. Yeah, yes. that helps. And and when you play with one of those. Uh, gold standard type franchises forever. You're so identified. You're on the cover of Sports Illustrated, that kind of thing. It's real different than when you play like Andre Dawson in half of his peak years were in Montreal. Nobody saw him. Oh, they're not on the game of the week. They're not on the cover of Sports. No. And then Kenny Lofton, you know, he plays, or, or, uh, or I'm sorry, Dale Murphy, he plays, he's on TV every night, you know, yes. but he's playing for terrible Braves teams that were looked like every as year. lovable losers. You had them on because it was like white noise in the background and you just wanted to watch a baseball game. But I don't think he was taken as seriously as he would have been if if Dale Murphy had put up the same numbers and been a two-time MVP for the L.A. Dodgers 
and played yeah. for them for 10 years. The guy's in the Hall of Fame. Or the Yankees, if he played yeah. for them for a decade and won two MVPs there, there's no doubt he's in the Hall of Fame. Well, I think there's something else there. Yeah, I mean, look, I think that the, all those are, are really good points. I think there's something else, and and it's specific to Andrew and to Kenny Lofton. So Lofton is this you know fantastic player, but when you look at Lofton in Cleveland, what do you what do you remember? I mean, that was Manny Ramirez's team, right? right. That was Albert yeah, Bell's was team. That was Jim Jim Tomey's team. And look, it's the same thing with Andrew. Andrew wasn't yep. even the best Jones on you're on right. the Braves, right? I mean, <laughs> you're right. You had Chipper, and then of course you have all those Hall of Fame no pitchers. Doubt. And so I think that hurts too. Four when, first when ballot Hall of Famers, five, including Bobby. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, five first ballot Hall of Famers. Yeah. And and so now they're like, eh, He was never the focal look. point. Right, right. And I think that was the same thing with Lofton. There's there's no doubt about that at all, there, the, that Andrew was overshadowed a little bit. Uh, um, you know, and the other thing is I think a lot of this is pushed by the team. Unfortunately, and I don't know why this is, but the Braves have never done the big push for Andrew like other teams do for like Billy Wagner, yeah. the Astros. I get stuff about him. I did, you know, like Bly Levin and got it forever about him. These teams, that helps. You might think, you know, for most of us who've covered a sport forever, it might not be a big deal. We look it up ourselves. But a lot of guys are persuaded by that and they go through the stats and go, hmm, especially before we had so much access to all the stats that we do nowadays. But right. Guys, you know, older guys, you know, you, you get these emails and it's got comparisons to all these people. And Andrew's never got that from the Braves for some reason. Plus, yeah, his his number's not right. even retired by the Braves. Yeah, and it should be. It should I mean, be. It should have been right like, when he I, left. I, but I think that's part of it. I mean, it's not just the Braves themselves. I mean, certain players, uh, you know, will get you know somebody behind them. I mean, Tim Raines right. had a couple of very high profile people who yeah. really pushed their case. You mentioned, you know, when you get into the room. You having a Tony La Russa push is is really good for you, but even when you're talking about for the baseball writers having a you know somebody out there just really pushing Burt Blylev and really pushing Larry Walker, really pushing Tim Raines, that helped those guys, and and nobody really has stepped up yeah. for Andrew Jones in that way. And Murph, and my, you the, know, stuff I, the stuff I got, you could only Murph. take one quote, like that quote Dave had from from Willie Mays about Andrew Jones, right. Yeah, it could take yeah, it could it, take hearing something like that where a guy says that's the best center fielder I've ever seen. That might sway you. Yeah, the Braves could send out a little two page flyer on Andrew comparing him his numbers and all that, and put that quote right across the top of the thing from Willie sure. Mays. You know, uh, and Murph when he got it, it was toward the end of his time on fifteen years on the ballot, but it was like by his his uh in, his relatives his you know. I think uh, like uh, his one of his sons and somebody else, they put out this great thing, but it never came from, you know, it didn't look like it was being official from a team or whatever. So, you know, anyway, it's uh, my ex-wife did that for with the Marlins <laughs> when, the, when she was working for the Marlins. They had a they had a you remember the Hispanic announcer that that won the, the uh, speak or not speak award. The uh, what's the broadcast award that BBWA's brought or the. Hall of Fame broadcast award. Right, right. The, uh, yeah. He won that one one year, and she was, like, so responsible for it because she, like, I mean, he was a Hispanic broadcaster, and he won that award because she, you know, she was bilingual. And she worked tirelessly letting everybody know how long he'd been and how many World Series he'd covered and sent out clips and all this. So he, she got him in, you know? Just like La the Russa did the with, Frick uh, with the Frick Yeah, the Frick Award. Larusa did that with with uh, Baines. Baines has no chance to get in without Larusa standing up and saying, "This guy was the best clutch hitter I ever saw. He came and played every day. You know, there's no chance he gets in." Baines, none of his numbers. No, say and he got in. I, I, I think, 
I mean, and again, it's hard to. Harold Baines is a wonderful guy, and 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 was right. obviously a very good player. But that that really hurt the Hall of Fame, in my view. I mean, it hurt it did. because lowered the, the bar. guy really, really snuck in the back door. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't his fault at all. No, not and, at all. And, and I he, felt bad for him, you know. But but he, yeah, I do feel bad for yeah. him, and that he took such a beating after he yeah. got in. But he is in. I mean, I guess I guess yeah. it all evens <laughs> out just fine. Uh, yeah, but you know, good. I mean, he really putting somebody in the back door like that. Uh, really hurts because now you look. Yeah. I mean, look, Harold Baines. Could you could you imagine going back to the eighties and saying, "Hey, who would you rather have, Harold Baines or Dale Murphy?" I mean, it's it's, it's yeah. laughable. It's yeah. absolutely laughable. You well, know, so so that hurts. And he's forever the guy that now everybody says, "Hey, if Harold Baines is in, right, well, fill in the blank has got to be in." Because if you go back and compare like War and everything. To all the guys who aren't in that played oh, yeah. around the it's, time Harold Baines dozens did. Dozens and dozens and you dozens. You got to build yeah, another I mean, wing on the Hall of Fame. <laughs> yeah. It's true. It really is true. I mean, look at his MVP finishes, by the way. <laughs> oh, yeah. Look, Harold Baines, again, terrific player. Cool player. He was fun to watch. Guy, he was cool. Fun to watch. Style. Absolutely but, right. I mean, but, professional hitter was in every never way. never one of the greatest players in the game. I mean, come on. I mean, you know, I mean, a DH who, who never really led the league in anything. I mean, that's, I'm sorry. I mean, it, and, and it's, like I say, it's a real shame because that's not what the Hall of Fame should be about. It should not be about knocking guys that get in. Yeah, it should right. be totally about celebrating guys that get in. I guess but, if you're Harold Baines, you're glad you're in the Hall of Fame. But it's got to piss you off when you when you're held up as the guy that should not be. <laughs> yeah, just yeah. right. You well, still get to you, sign the, your name, H O F. Though the, hap, the happiest guy out there is Bill Mazeroski, so he doesn't have <laughs> yeah. to be that guy anymore. You know, so man, but until Harold Baines got a, got in, because remember that day at the winter meetings, they said Harold Baines. We're all like Harold Baines, really? <laughs> was I remember <laughs> leading up to that? Of course, I wrote. You know, like I always do for the Hall of Fame, I wrote my predictions and. You know, I wrote something really nice about Harold Baines. I said, look, he has no chance of getting in. Right. But he was a really, really good player. I was shocked he was on the ballot. I got to be honest. I mean, he he shouldn't have even been on the ballot. I don't remember who they left off specifically, but on I know the there were like five ballot? guys. Yeah, he'd only I mean, like made five guys in that time. Like Dwight Evans wasn't on that ballot. I mean, there were like yeah. bunches yeah. of guys that were on that weren't on that. But Lou Whitaker wasn't on that ballot. And it was like there are a bunch of guys that were not on that ballot who were so much better than Harold Baines. Yeah. He never should have even been on the ballot. And then when he got in, it was like, what happened here? Yeah. How did this happen? Well, he know? had somebody on the committee. I was supposed to be on that committee this year, go to Cooperstown in January and this month to, wow. to pick that ballot for the next two error committees. So I, sure. I would get picked the year that it's banked. But <laughs> all it took was somebody that went up there with that in mind that, hey, I want this guy on it. And they, you know, it's and the others are probably going, all right, if you want him on there, we'll put him on there, you know? And then you get, well, you get Tony LaRusso. Like, like, that goes, right. <laughs> you know, that's how it takes. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, especially a guy like LaRusso who's obviously right, going to carry a lot right. of weight he was, when, he's, when he's pushing. Guys. Baines only lasted like, what, six years on the, on the BBWA ballot? Well, I never got, I don't even think he ever got 10%. I mean, he was, oh, he was, he, and, and he was dropped, you know, he, but he was dropped like after how many years? Oh, I think three, two or three years. <laughs> I mean, he wasn't on the ballot very man. long. And again, look, 2,800 hits. I mean, he, it, again, I, you know, I keep feeling like I have to say I something know. nice about Harold Baines, but it's, it's, but he was a DH really, play forever. Yeah, he's going to get 2,800 hits. It hurts. It, like I say, it really hurts when you look at no, but there's not a single player from the 1980s who thought Harold Baines was a better player than Dale Murphy. Not one. Until I heard one. his name that day when they called it out. I think the last time that I had said or heard Harold Baines' name was 
Cliff Floyd was one of my best. I love Cliff Floyd when I covered him with the Marlins, right? And I talked to Cliff Floyd all the time. And Cliff Floyd would talk about how, no, nah, man, I was a White Sox fan growing up. I said, White Sox? Really? Because I'm talking White Sox, Harold Baines, numbers on the leg, White Sox. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, okay, all right. <laughs> love it. Because they had the love numbers on the, on the pants back then. <laughs> on their, yeah. That's great. Um, so, yeah, Lofton played – Nine teams in the last six years of his career before he finished back with yeah. the Indians, second half of 07. Uh, the Braves, he had a kind of a uh, it was a that was a rough year here because I mean he played, he hit great, but they got him. I don't know if you remember that trade, but they got Loft and Allen Embry a week before the season in uh, uh at the end of spring training in what was it, 97. No, no. They played for Indians 96, but Braves in 97, right. So this was at the end of spring training. I remember I was covering the Marlins and we're driving somewhere in spring training and I heard on the radio that they the Braves had made a trade for Kenny Lofton. I'm going, Kenny Lofton? Really? And then, but they traded Marquise Grissom and David Justice to get him and Alan right. Embry. And those were two beloved players here. I mean, Justice had had some people didn't like because he was a loudmouth, but he was a hell of a player here. Oh my God, great player. Yeah, I mean, he was the hero in the World Series, the only one they ever won. I love Dave Justice. But Marquise Grissom, two years here, was a great leadoff hitter, a good center fielder. Uh, so yep. those were two guys that people really loved here. And that trade came out of nowhere. And then the Braves, uh, Sherhold said, you know, they did it because they had to shave like, they shaved $7.7 million in salary and luxury tax. This is when the Braves had like the highest payroll in the sport, which that's a long right. time ago. So <laughs> they had to shave money off because they needed to get pitching. So that's what they did. They did it by trading those two guys. So, you know, I'll, I'll, right away, Lofton comes over here. He's in the last year of his contract. So you got that resentment right away. That's a rough position to be in. You come in, yeah. you're replacing two guys like that, you know? It kind yeah, it's it's – he had to do that a few times though. Yeah. Of course, then he goes right back to Cleveland and then he's right. you know, then he's off to then he's off to the White Sox, the Giants, the Pirates, the Cubs, the Yankees, the Phillies, the Dodgers. It was crazy. And the Rangers. Yeah, that's I saw him with the Rangers. That's, a, that's an astonishing run. Yeah. That's so he hit a career best 333 at that time for with the Braves. 838 OPS in 97. Um and he made the All-Star team, was 26 in MVP, but probably got a one vote or whatever. But what really stands out when you look at his stat line was Weird thing was, he got caught. He'd been in the American League. Maybe that made a big difference. Knew the pitchers, whatever. But he got caught a league high twenty times, caught stealing <laughs> in forty-seven yeah. attempts. And the craziest thing about it was, it was his career high for times being caught. The year before, he had led the majors with seventy-five steals and only been caught seven seventeen times in ninety-two oh, yeah. attempts. Well, and that's and weird, the next year he man. stole fifty. Yeah. next year he stole fifty bases, and and he never had another year where he was caught, not only <laughs> caught that much, but I mean, he has a very high percentage. It must've been uh, the national league his first year over here and all that. I don't know. I don't know if he had some weird hamstring or something that year. Yeah. So in, in nine postseason that game that year, he goes seven for 40 with one RBI, one steal and three attempts, nine strikeouts, two walks. Braves lost in six games to the Marlins. I was covering the Marlins back then. And, uh, and uh, that was the LeVon Hernandez strikeout yeah. game and all that. Right, right. But his personality didn't jibe with at least a couple of guys over here who were pretty important. <laughs> so, and one in particular <laughs> who carried a lot of weight in decisions. So there was no chance he was going to be resigned here. So he was here for a year and left. But it didn't help that uh, they sent 
you know, they did open a couple spots in the outfield. They had Andrew Jones and Jermaine Dye were able to, you know, get in there every day. But Grissom goes, he hits a Grissom had hit 360 in the 95 World Series for the Braves when they won, you know, against the Indians. And hit 444 in the 96 World Series when they lost to the Yankees. So he was like a big postseason guy. And he goes yeah. to Cleveland in that trade. And he was MVP in the Indians ALCS win that year against the Orioles. The year they exactly traded right. the year they traded him. Yep. So that was the year I was covering the Marlins, and they lost that seven game World Series to the to the Marlins, which was yep. amazing. The one where it was 85, I, 90 degrees and humid in Miami and snowing in Cleveland. I remember that very, very well. Yeah. <laughs> snowing during BP in Cleveland, man. <laughs> Stocking caps and everything. That's the worst. And uh and Grissom also hit three sixty in that World Series. He finished his career. People don't realize this guy played in three World Series, 19 games. He had 390 with a 440 OBP in a World Series. Grissom yeah. did. Yeah, he was always good in the World Series. And Justice, of course, he'd been the World Series series for the Braves in 95. He goes over. He had he had hit more than 20 homers five times in six years with the Braves. Uh had an injury short in 96 season. He goes to, to after the trade to Cleveland. He hits 329 with 33 homers and 101 ribbies with the, in that year with the first year with the Cleveland. Career high, 1,013 OPS, makes the all-star team, wins the Silver Slugger Award, finishes fifth in the MVP balloting. Yep. <laughs> so that was a trade yep. people were like, why did we trade him again? <laughs> <laughs> that was that was an unbelievable hitting Cleveland team, by the way, because that was Tommy and Manny yep. and Brian Giles and Matt oh, Williams. Yeah. And I mean that that team was just yeah, they they just crushed it. They just ran up against a Marlins team that was playing incredible ball. Got yeah. it rolling well, when they had Leland managing. They had all those studs, man. Well, and then they and then Cleveland, of course, had a chance to win it yeah. in Game Seven oh, and blew it. and uh, and blew it. They had yeah. clutch players on that team, man. Ooh, Moises Alou. Oh yeah, Edgar Renteria, young Craig Council. Edgar Renteria was so good at oh man. And then and then they traded Terrific. for Darren Dalton, and uh, that was it. They traded for him in July deadline. <laughs> All of a sudden, the what he called the country club attitude just disappeared overnight. Yeah. Uh-huh. He whipped them boys into shape. Al Leiter told me about Dalton, man, holding a, t- holding a team meeting. Like the second day he was there on the first day of a road trip, he calls a team meeting and says, you guys are never going to win anything here, man. People around the league laugh at you and says it's a country club here. People were like, what the fuck, man? <laughs> Dalton's <laughs> like, I'm serious. Changed the culture overnight. All of a sudden, they stopped, they stopped like being guys that just left after the last out. They stopped hanging. They started hanging around, sitting in the hot tubs, drinking beer uh, after the games. Everybody hung out like everywhere they went after that. And they started just playing tough as nails, too. It was it was something to see from from you know just from the outside looking in. And then you heard the just stories amazing. about it. Yeah. But justice, by the way. He played in six World Series, ten postseasons in a fourteen-year career. Wow! How about that, man? Six World Series. Yeah, help, helped when you go to the Yankees, like he did. Guys, let's take a quick break, and then we'll finish up the show. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. 
See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. So you grew up in Cleveland. What are you, what's your thoughts on the name change? Well, I think it's overdue. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think it was something that, uh, that, that needed to happen. Um, you know, it, it's, they're, they're doing it in, in a weird, yeah. their timing is very strange. I, I think, yeah, it feels to me like, uh, <laughs> something got leaked earlier than anybody wanted it to. And they didn't really, they weren't really prepared for next year. And so they're going to keep the name for a year, but then they're going to change it. They're going to, you know, rename. I, it's all of that feels weird to me. Um, but look, I mean, I, I think they came a long way in a pretty short period of time. I mean, even four or five years ago, the impression you would get out of Cleveland was, come on, no, nobody cares. The name is fine. And, and, you know, and they wouldn't talk to native American, uh, you know, people in Cleveland who, who were standing up against it. They wouldn't even, they wouldn't even give them the time of day. So, so that changed and turned around. And look, I, I think I, I'm of the belief that I, I wish teams would, would shift things around more often anyway. I, I think that, that, you know, I mean, you look at, at Cleveland, that, that, that team hasn't won the World Series since 1948. I mean, I, I, how drawn to the name can right. you possibly be? Right, makes it a little be? easier, so, I think. Yeah. So, yeah, look, I, I, I know what happened in Washington is what led directly to what happened here uh, in Cleveland. Cleveland had to get rid of, you know, the the mascot, the Chief Wahoo right. thing first. And, and uh, so they did that, and now they're doing this. I think it's the right thing. I think – it just feels it feels like they had a year to do it because they went to the sea on the caps and they got rid of the right. wahoo. It's like okay, they're going to do it. They're going to they're doing this for you, and then they added another year and they're going to use. Are they going to use even Chief Wahoo for the last year? I don't think they're going to use okay. Wahoo, but I think they are going to use <laughs> the be, name. I but think. it feels like a such off. a that would be bad. <laughs> it feels like such a cash grab because they come out and said they're going to give. They're going to sell tons of gear. You know that. Oh, yeah. Right? yeah. And they yeah. said they're going to yeah. give, like, profits to, you know, whatever organization or whatever. I'm like, okay, I'll believe that, <laughs> you know. They, it just feels like such a cash grab because they're going to sell so much gear. And then the yeah, lead up, send them. And then another year, two years in a row, they're going to sell a ton of gear. Yeah. Well, that's why I think why I'm shocked that more teams don't do it. <laughs> yeah. I'm just saying, I mean, it is such – an opportunity to to the say you know look the, the the Rays didn't take advantage of it but I don't see why you wouldn't be like you know what we've we've had a run it's been a hundred years of us being named this or yeah. fifty years of us being named this so this is gonna be the last year 
buy your gear now. And then next year we're going to have this cool new name with all this cool new merch and, and, uh, and buy your stuff. Then I, I, I don't, I don't see what the big deal is. I think I really some know. teams are a little more, it's, it's, they're a little more identified with it and they've had some success. Of course. Like the Braves and the Blackhawks, I cannot see them doing it. I just don't see them doing it, but the Braves are going to get more pressure. I know right now it's kind of subsided. And they kind of appeased people. They did talk to, you know, the uh, the Eastern band of the Cherokees, uh, but not the right. Cherokee Nation because they've came out and, and been against it. So it's two different groups. Yeah. But, you know, I can see both sides of it because here's here's my whole stance on it. When when people say, you, they should, who, everybody's offended by anything. I'm like, it is not my place to say what is yeah. offensive because right. who am I to say, you know, why, if an if if a Native American should be offended by something, or if a black should be offended by blackface, that's not my. Th- if somebody's offended by it, they're offended by it, and you got to right. take notice of that. So that's just not my place. When people ask me, I don't answer, or I say it's not my place to determine what's offensive. You know, I can tell you what's offensive to me, not much, but I can see where <laughs> they would be offended because you know, yeah, it's offensive. Yeah. You know, I mean, but. It's a little less so. They did get rid of the screaming Indian, which I thought looked more like a smiling Indian, to tell you the truth. <laughs> I, I, but but that's neither here nor there. They dropped it. They were going to use it in spring training like four or five years ago. They had it made on the hats. That was going to be their batting practice in the spring training. And when that word got out and, and there was upheaval, they dropped it, and they acted like it was never going to be their hat. <laughs> <laughs> right. But right. There's, there were thousands of them around, and people could buy them at places. They're like, oh, it was just a hat that appeared. <laughs> but they did <laughs> drop that, so that took some pressure off, whereas Wahoo, they kept him for a couple more years. And that, that Wahoo looked really bad. <laughs> Wahoo was bad. It was, bad. It was just bad. It, was, it, it just should have gone away a long time yeah. ago. And again, the thing that amazes me about the argument – I mean, look, I, I, I get people – is how offended people are that the name is changed. Yeah. <laughs> like they're always like, I'm oh, never going to against anything. I'm never going yeah, to a game they, if they, they drop the brakes, <laughs> if they don't do the chop. <laughs> what? And it's it's like, and then they're in the same tone going, how could they be offended by it? It's like, you're offended by them literally just changing a sports team name. What is wrong with you? So yeah, these people's I, I, heritage and they're getting, you know, exactly. they can't be offended, but you can be offended that, <laughs> that someone would, well, in your view, kowtow to Native Americans <laughs> by dropping an offensive. No, yeah, it's it's absurd. They just got to have absurd. a name ready, though. You know, you can't be Cleveland baseball team. That's right. Yeah. Got- well, and they're not. And that's the thing. It's like the only thing worse than becoming Cleveland baseball team is being the Cleveland Indians for one more year. Like, it's like, <laughs> yeah, like if you're saying the name is offensive, then, then you got to change it. Don't you? I mean, uh, so they, they can, they yeah, wanted, they're not they even going by Cleveland baseball team because they got to sell no. gear for another year, man. <laughs> one more year. One more and, year. And, and somebody asked, there's a couple of times people have mentioned these pretty lame ideas on Twitter and stuff about what the Braves should do. And one of them is here's how you can, you, you can get around it. Simply drop the S from Brave, and you'll be the Atlanta Brave, and you could say it's like a tribute to first frontline, <laughs> first responders, or Brave, you know, whatever you want to use it. Yeah. That way, you keep the t- and, and you keep the tomahawk. I'm like, 
you do not get it if you think it, that people are so what? stupid well, that they're going to okay, go, okay, okay that works. <laughs> no, I want to go, I want to take that one step. So I, okay, so you change it to the Atlanta Brave and make it for first responders. All right, that's, it's lame, but all right. How do you get to keep the tomahawk? Like how, like, how, like, like are there first responders doing the tomahawk? It'd like I don't, be, I don't. be a fire axe. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, exactly. And another thing is they don't want to drop, you know, they've dropped the other, uh, iconic graphy, whatever the word is. Uh, uh, they've dropped the other ones. They still have the tomahawk on the chef, and the Braves say they're going to they're going to stay with the Braves and the tomahawk is part of their whole history and all that. And uh, but if you go and look, there were years, there were multiple years where they did not have a tomahawk on their like the whole time of Dale course. Murphy was there, and those uniforms right. were sharp. They had that modern looking uh, feather on the the blue uniforms with the feather. Yep. Then they had the white yep. uniforms and pinstripes. When did the tomahawk all of a sudden become? <laughs> we have to have the tomahawk. <laughs> they had it when Hank Aaron played, and they had this the beautiful Indian on the on the thing. It was a beautiful jersey, but if it, it, you couldn't yeah. have it now, and I understand why. But they went. They, they that was in Milwaukee when they first came to the Braves. But then they just dropped it, you know, for like a decade, and well, nobody was saying was back the- then. How can you drop that Indian head? <laughs> well, that was the thing that drove me crazy about Chief Wahoo was there was a long stretch of time where they didn't use it. It wasn't because right. anybody was, you know, it wasn't because of like whatever you want to say. They just were like, yeah, it's, it's kind of stupid. Yeah, so yeah. they just stopped using it. And then they brought it back. And, got, and, and then it was like, retro cool like when holy. they brought it back. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. Exactly. Like the Braves, so. you know, if you go back and look at the Braves, like what they were doing in the 80s, man, 70s and 80s. They had Chief Nakahoma in a teepee on oh center gosh. field doing a war yes. dance, <laughs> full headdress and Indian gear, and and Chief not only Nakahoma. that, there's a picture of Ted Turner sitting at a game with a headdress on <laughs> and a cigar. <laughs> yeah, that was oh uh, a different time, <laughs> a different time, a simpler time, <laughs> a simpler time. But no, I'm not laughing at the uh, at, at people being offended by it because, like I said, man, if people are offended, you got to listen to them. So if they can get around it, you know, and not and people aren't going to line up and protest, it's that's their decision. It's not mine, and you know they got to do what they got to do. You know what? You know what? The only thing changes these usually changes these decisions. Money. Yeah, of course. You start losing sponsorships, or when people start protesting outside and people stay away because they don't want to walk through a picket line. No, that's right. Look, I mean, I don't money talks. Well, I don't know that this is going to happen, but you say you think the Braves and the Blackhawks, yeah, they'll they'll stay until Coca Cola says that they don't want them to be called the Braves anymore. You know. Uh, until uh, you know, until the biggest you know biggest sponsors of the of the you know in Chicago say no more Blackhawks, then it'll end. And and you know, and that's that's the that's the reality of these things. And it'll last long. It, it might last. It, it might not. It might not go away here. But you know, in some places, it would go away. It would have to. So it just depends who right. you market to. There's not more people here want it, want them to keep it, and are pretty damn adamant about it than there are. You know, unfortunately, I think that would probably because a lot of people feel bad if they say anything. You know, they they get they get bullied into not saying anything. So, but anyway, I'm like, you know, here I can see both sides of it, but uh, it's a pretty cool logo, you know. And I don't think it's just again me, white guy talking here, but I don't think to me, Braves in and of itself, when you don't use the Indian head and all that, Braves though, I don't see that. Anyway, like I do Redskins, because Redskins is almost like using the N word, you know, for for right. for Native Americans. Braves, you're actually, you know, 
it's an admirable term, right? But they're not using it in that way, I guess. But you're you're not. It's not an offensive term in and of itself, you know, because they were you braves. Know, they were. That's what they were. They were braves. Right. You know? Right. You know. Look, I, I I'm with you on this. Like, right. I don't feel like it's my place to yeah. to decide whether somebody feels that should be right or not. I think everybody can kind of agree that the. That the tomahawk chop is a little bit yeah. uh, oh, difficult. and that's a simple it's just, one. It's, it's, and that's a simple yeah. one. And this is what's also pissed me off about a lot of fans here, right? The Braves said they're going to. They didn't do it in that one game, and then they got destroyed. They gave up ten runs in the first inning, which had right, you know, that's right, so, right, because they didn't give out foam tomahawks that they had made and ready. <laughs> they didn't distribute them, right? Okay, here's all the Braves have to do on this thing. They they can come out. This is a, and this is simple. You do not have to play the stupid organ and start the tomahawk right. chop. If right. it is start right. started organically by the fans, you're not going to boot people out for doing it. Right. But you right. don't do it yourself. The Braves not only did it, but they did it about 50 times a game. <laughs> yeah. Every time somebody gets yeah. on base. You know, at one point it was just for rallies in the ninth inning. Big, big moments, right? When it first started, when Dion brought it from FSU or whatever happened. Um, but so so you drop it all together as far as playing the organ and starting it and putting it on the, the scoreboard. If people want to do it and the fans are, are smart enough, they're going to do it. Yeah. Let them do it. That, you know, that's, that's yeah, okay. Yeah, you're off the hook. Yeah, that's right. You say, look, we're not going to tell people what they can and can't do. They're not, no, they're not screaming they. fire right. and they're not saying the N-word. They're, not, they're doing it. Da, da, da. If they want to do that, then you don't take part. That's your way out of it, period. You don't say it's banned, and you can come out and say that if you want to. They haven't said anything about it, so that's what gets people thinking they're going to ban the chop. But I, just say you really can't ban it. No, you can't. You can't ban it. You can't ban it. That's right. And that's all they have no, to do is come out no. and say we're not going to ban it, but we're not going to do. We're not encouraging yeah, it. We're not, we're not encouraging it. You exactly right. You know, you're not, you're not yeah. yelling. You know, a lot worse things are said in ballparks to people. A lot more <laughs> yeah, offensive things a, are said. That, well, that's a fact. Uh, anyway, okay, well, we got through that. Uh, the last thing I wanted to hear ask you about. Oh, Phil Necro. Where did you have him on your t- – he was in your top 100, right, of all time? He was. He was in my top 100. He was uh, 83 maybe, somewhere in the 80s, I know. Look, what a what a great, great yeah. uh, pitcher and what a – what a great person! Yeah. What a great guy! You know, I, I, I'm sure you've got to spend plenty of time with Phil, yeah. and 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 I was lucky enough to do that. He's a great storyteller. He's uh, just a uh, just a remarkable, remarkable guy. And you know, we talk about uh, before we were talking about guys who compiled. Yeah, and there were a lot of people who thought that. That that was Phil Negro because he won 300 uh, games. He compiled, and he compiled unbelievable seasons. <laughs> well, that's the thing. He was great. Yeah. He was t- really, really great in his prime for very, very bad, bad teams. teams. Yeah, bad teams. So he would go at 19 and 18 or 20 yeah. and 17 with these with these very, very poor teams. And uh, you know, just what a what a player. And you know, for the uh, for the for the baseball 100, when I wrote about him, I wrote about his last game. Uh, the, no, the game he won 300, mm-hmm. where he didn't throw a knuckleball uh, yeah. until the until the ninth inning uh, with, uh, with two right. outs. So, uh, you know, I, I think that because he threw the right. knuckleball, yeah. and it's such a it's such a it's not a know, dominant magic, pitch, right? It's just a circus pitch in right. so many ways. <laughs> not um, taken as seriously as he should be. People didn't take him as seriously, but he was a great, great knuckleballer on a bad man. team. They took him more seriously when he went to the Yankees at the end of his career. That's right. Well, look, he was terrific. He had some good years. He was there absolutely too. terrific. He had good years with the Yankees. He had obviously great years with the Braves. And he was the knuckleball that he threw 
Look, that is an impossible oh, yeah. pitch to control. Oh, it's it's yeah. an impossible pitch to control. Er- so er- er- it's not a 90. 90- Eric can attest yeah. to this, man. I talked to Glav about this. I was when I I went back to look at his stats when I was writing Zobit the other day, and you know I never I've looked at his stats, just glanced at him, looking at oh my god, these sure. years where he had these innings, but then I had looked at him really closely. This guy in a three year span threw a thousand and six innings <laughs> in right. three that's years. My career, that's, that's crazy. <laughs> that's double my career innings, dude. That's more than Billy Wagner threw his entire career, and he's going yeah. <laughs> but Eric, I, I talked to Glav, and Glav's like. I don't care if you're throwing a knuckleball. If you're throwing 330 innings, yeah. you are you are a horse. You're going out there every three or four days making 40 starts, and you're going out getting up and down. Your arm's still going to hurt the next day, you know? I mean, you're, you're, and, he, and he would tell he would go on short rest all the time when they needed him to. He's the guy that stepped in there when Pascal Perez got lost on the perimeter. Negro jumped <laughs> in there. Right. They told Negro, Murph told me this story, uh, Joe Torre goes back there like 15 minutes before the first pitch. Pasquale still wasn't there. And, and Joe goes, Nuxie, can you go? Pasquale's still not here. Nuxie goes, sure, I can go. He was back there taking a piss. He was in a bathroom. And I, I didn't look it up, but I think he had like two days rest. No more than two days. And he goes out there and pitches like six or seven innings on 15 minutes notice. <laughs> but well, yeah, yeah, maybe it's it's easier on your arm, but it's it's damn harder to throw strikes and get the job done. There'd be more knuckleballers, oh, yeah. you know. Yeah. I mean, it's everybody tries it. Everybody throws those things in the outfield and mess around with them. And then you get on the mound and try to throw strikes, but it's hopeless. <laughs> and you did it's it. Hopeless. And there are years where knuckleballers just don't have their knuckleball, and all of a sudden they're either yeah. they don't get it back, and then the career might end like wetland. Their career's over. He did yeah. it for twenty years, man. It's incredible. <laughs> just incredible. And there's so many things that, that go into throwing the knuckleball. I mean, obviously throwing strikes is so hard. Uh, you're going to, you're going to, you can count on a pass ball in the game, right? I mean, you yeah. can just count on yeah. that happening. Murph uh, had five in one game at, at the Astrodome <laughs> catching him. <laughs> I mean, I mean, that was Bob Euchre set yeah. the record yeah. for, for most pass balls because he was catching Necro. Um, so, you know, you're going to get pass balls. You're going to get some wild pitches. Just that these are, you just have to work around so many different things yeah. uh, to be successful for that long. I, you know, it's, it's unprecedented. No, there's no other. I mean, Will, Will yeah. is the closest and thing won't be anybody as else. a reliever. And then Joe, right? Then Joe Necro is like the, is like the next best thing. I mean, it's, uh, yeah, that's, that's a, that's a tough racket to and try you, to win as a, yeah, tough you racket. Hate, you hate losing guys like that too, because I don't think there's going to be guys. Yeah. First of all, you have to stay around the game forever and be willing to talk about it. It's so accessible. There's a guy that walked around in his yes. Braves hat all the time, you know? Yeah. All the yeah time. He, did. he walked around all in a Braves hat and will and talk to anybody anytime. But the stories this guy would have from playing that long, you know, and just, and he was so engaging. Come down to spring training. So well, my favorite, always my favorite story with Phil uh, that would, and he would tell it every time was about how uh, he was, uh, you know, he was there with his dad and the scout came uh, from the Milwaukee Braves game, I guess, and and said, uh, 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 Mr. Negro, we want to sign your son for $500. And uh, <laughs> Phil's dad said, oh, I, I'm sorry, I work in the coal mine. I don't have that kind of money. <laughs> so, I mean, <laughs> you know, and I mean, but that was, he told so many great stories and was such a, Great guy, and you know, uh, for me, one of my favorite parts of going to Cooperstown when, when for the Hall of Fame uh, inductions, is Phil would always be there, and yeah. you know, you would you'd find him, and he was always ready to to tell you. He didn't have to know you to tell you stories, and 
And uh, what a you know what a wonderful guy, and and uh, obviously sad, sad to lose him. We lost a lot. Oh this my year. god, eight Hall of Famers, eight Hall of Famers, or seven? It, yeah, I mean it's you know, and 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 not just not just run of the I mean not that there are any right. run of the mill Hall of Famers, but right. I mean true, yeah. iconic Bob yep. Gibson, yep. Phil Negros, Tom Seaver, oh, Al Kaline. Yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah, all timers. Um, speaking of the list, while we wrap this up, I, I'm keeping you a lot longer than I said. I'm sorry. Um, Speaking of the list, you had Hank Aaron at number four, right. which is about where he appears on all those lists, usually three, four, five. At, uh, and I got no problem with that. Your first three were a little different, though, than your typical such list. You had Willie Mays at number one ahead of Babe Ruth, which honestly, mm-hmm. I wouldn't argue against. I mean, I realized Babe was one of the game's most dominant pitchers before he became the most dominant power hitter of all time, sure. pre-Barry Bonds steroids. But we can't just ignore the fact that babe I know I and I know when people hate hearing this, some people do, but he didn't play against black or Latin players, you know? Right. And well, he just played a different he time. He did yeah. played at a different time. And he was a pretty fat dude for much of his career. <laughs> with a swing, I don't know. I'm not so convinced that his swing would have translated to later eras. Sure, he'd have been great, but he wouldn't have been Babe Ruth. So I'm just saying, Willie Mays, I can totally get behind Willie Mays as the number one overall uh, all-time player. And, and I got no problem with say a kid at number one. Um, you just don't see that very often. But well, it was. I mean, I, I heard from obviously a lot of people, and you know, Babe Ruth is sort of the consensus number one. Right. Um, and look, there's nothing wrong with Babe Ruth number one. I mean, and you know, as as you know, when I was doing this list, for me, the numbers were more about an opportunity to tell these players stories, right? right. So I mean, this 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 thing turned into this gigantic 300,000 word, uh, you know, epic about, you know, telling the stories of all of these different players. And when it came down to it, look, I, I think Babe Ruth was, of course, he, look, I have number two all time. I mean, he was one of the greatest players ever. But when you when you try to bring guys forward, because yeah. Willie Mays played a long time ago too, yeah. you try to bring guys forward, you try to imagine what they would be like. You, mm-hmm. And it's yeah. very, very difficult to imagine Babe Ruth, body shape that he was, <laughs> swinging a 45-ounce bat or whatever, 40-ounce yeah. bat, uh, against Steven Strasburg, 98. I mean, you yeah. just it's harder to it's hard to imagine that. And of course, he never faced that. It's and not it's not fair. it's not fair it's not to fair. put him into today's game because he would he'd be a completely different figure. He'd probably be sculpted and 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 no, you know, just so. deep, I don't think so. I, I don't <laughs> know. I've, I've I mean, read you know. I've read plenty about his habits. <laughs> well, well, that's true. But that's Tim true. the cap to the babe, man. <laughs> you know, when I when I hear this I have a hard time with it because he found a way to be the best in the world at his time. Like right? head and shoulders right. so, above right. everybody. Head too. and shoulders. So you have to think, all right, he's making adjustments and doing things yeah. that nobody else sure. is doing. Like so for me, I always have a hard that. time with, <laughs> with saying his swing wouldn't play in today's game or oh, a different I know. game. Because you give him no credit to make adjustments. Yeah. Right, but he still made the adjustments he had to make at that time to be the best in the world for however long he was. After so being a great pitcher. So you look at a guy swinging a 44-ounce bat and you say he was facing 80 miles an hour. So what changes does he make when he starts seeing 95? Well, you never see it. So you you can't – it's hard to judge – yeah, it's just unfair to I even know. compare. You know, yeah. if you ask it me, it is. It is unfair. So, so you don't no, think you don't totally. think the quote that we should take out of this is me saying he's a pretty fat guy for most of his career. I mean, but there's there's been some fat. I mean, Bartolo wasn't fit. Yeah, he was right. playing in today's game. You're right. You know, and, and he homered. Yeah. He was pretty damn good after he got fat. He was yep. better when he wasn't fat. But 
He was fat for a while. Yeah, too, look, I, he, he was not fat as a young player, and he was the fast. Babe? He had some speed. The babe, babe? When he was young. Some speed, yeah. really? He, a little had some speed, <laughs> and of course, had the bazooka for the arm. Pigeon toes. Uh, yeah, it was... But the thing that the thing that Babe Ruth did that that is so difficult to bring in today's time is he invented a whole new way of hitting. Yeah. I mean, that was the thing. Yeah. I mean, before Babe Ruth, you did not have that uppercut home run swing, right. and nobody hit home runs. I mean, he he broke his own record four times for for most homers in a season, including the first time when you know the record was like twenty six. So so he completely changed the way the game is played. You know, and and so you you give him that. But if I'm saying, all right, who do I think looking yeah. back? Well, you could just bring Willie Mays right to today. Yeah. You watch Willie Mays play, yeah. man. I mean, it's a- it's Hank like Aaron. watching Trout. I mean, athleticism yeah. for sure. And Hank Aaron, same thing. Yeah. Exactly. You, exactly. You got to figure Babe Ruth. The balls he was hitting were probably mush. You know, and some of the they fences, some yeah. of the fences, these guys were hitting homers off four fifty to dead center. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, Hank, it's yeah, it's just a different. It's a different game. Yeah. Exactly and you want to read something about uh, Babe Ruth fascinating. Was Tom Verducci did this. Uh, it was uh, it was a really original story he did. Really long in Sports Illustrated uh, back when the pandemic started. We got shut down. He did a thing yep. writing as, a, as this writer. It was an actual writer for the Boston paper back then covering Babe Ruth. And the first few years and talking about. And the, the gist of it was the the hook was he was connecting this to the Spanish flu or the flu that in two, uh, 19, uh, eight, 19, eight, yeah. 1918, whatever. Yep. So, and they were playing, you know, the world series, it was hitting in Boston, the flu was spreading around town. And, but he, but it, a lot of good stuff in there about Babe Ruth that I had not read about. It was really good stuff. Go back and find it. I'll find the store. I'll, I'll send you a link, Eric. Okay. Um, so then okay, th- just to get up, just to finish up on this list, you had, Hank, number four, and the only thing I have a problem with, and I know, obviously, is, you know, plenty of people would do this too. You have Barry Bonds, three. Yeah. And my only thing is, statistically, if we're going to consider Bonds, you know, for such rankings, despite his obvious years of massive steroid use in San Francisco, then I just think his stats scream that he was the greatest hitter of all time. So do you have to weigh that? Because to me, if he's going to be in three, he's got to be one because he was the greatest hitter of all time. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it, it's a it's a fair point. Um, you are not the first person you might know to to uh, be unhappy that that, uh, that <laughs> really uh, Henry was. Yeah, yeah. When when I got the call the next morning from Bud Selig, I kind of felt like maybe I, I had not, struck a nerve. Uh, not, I had not made everybody happy. Bud's a good Look, friend of Hank Aaron. It's it's so t- exactly very good friend yeah. and, and a huge yeah. fan. Look, it's so hard to know what to do with. Bill I know Bonds, it is. Right? I mean, it is. It, and he put himself in that it position. Is. Um. I don't think that Barry Bonds, even at his very, very, very best, and of course he changed the game, you know, I mean, like literally, I don't know if he changed the game for the future, no, but at the time, at the time he, he broke the game. He didn't change it for he the future. He broke the, the game. game. Yeah. You couldn't, you he wouldn't pitch the game. Like, right. literally, he broke it. the game. 220 right? some walks when he was, oh, it was 40 years was old. 120 of them. <laughs> yeah. 120 of them were intentional. <laughs> I mean, he's literally old. broke. He literally broke the game, but he was no longer the same player. He couldn't run no, then. He was not no, a good fielder no. then. So he hit. That's what he'd he was say. A three tool player at that so, point. Two, two, two it was, tools. 
It was yeah. He hit but the they, hit for power. But they were tools that were like five hundred on the otherworldly, yeah, right? Yeah, they were absolutely five hundred power, right? <laughs> but even yeah. even as as great as that was, it was not the complete Bonds. I like to look at the whole Bonds career. Bonds as a young player, right? Hopefully pre steroids. We don't Pittsburgh. He was pre steroids. He was one hundred eighty five pounds, man. Well, even in the early years of San yep. Francisco, I mean, yep. he seemed, you know, I mean, I, I, there. I tend to buy the timeline that in 98, everything changed for him. But regardless, before then, five tool. Well, the arm was not necessarily. It was a, good, uh, though, early. Strong, but good it enough. Was, yeah. yeah. Look, it, for a left fielder. It was, it was a gold glover and he had accurate arm. It was a, it was a great. Made great a terrible throw field, against the Braves, but. <laughs> yeah, that, as everybody will yeah. remind him. Um but hit for power, stole bases, did everything. Yeah. I mean, it was just absolutely an everything player. And then he comes as a later year. It's like a little bit of sort of the young version is pretty easily comparable to Willie Mays and Hank Aaron. Like, And then the old version is pretty easily comparable to Babe Ruth. Yep. But he was never yep. all of it at the same time. So, look, I easily could have put Aaron four. I probably would have made more friends if I had done that. But I just thought the way that he dominated the game – steroids yes but the way he he broke the game and i think hmm. he was tremendously underrated as a younger player because i think he was all timer until 98 i mean and i don't think people people always thought griffey was better or other people were better right. i don't think anybody was better i think he was i think he was the best player in the game before he went you know bulked up and and then yeah he was he won three uh, he won he three mvps in a four-year stretch he won three mvps he you know, yeah. was terry was the only guy that broke that up but yeah he was the best player in the game over uh, all-around player i thought and and he could have you know something could have happened to him he had could have had a career ending injury there like after the first two years in san francisco and he's a first ballot hall of famer in my book yeah i i, yeah, I, well, I, I just take the stance of i don't vote for him because he did do the steroids and i don't you know i try to I, I could parse it out and say him and clemens were hall of famers before they did steroids but i don't know when they did the steroids you know and like uh, a rod there's people that think he might have started doing them when he was in high school. So there's no way I'm going to vote for A-Rod when he comes up, you know? A-Rod hit 50 homers at 19 or exactly. 20 years old. I don't know when he started <laughs> yeah. doing steroids. I'd never believe him if he came out and said when he started. So, But it's tough, man. It's tough. and It's, it's no tough. It's right really, or really wrong. tough. And, but, yeah, it's really tough. It's really tough. And, they're, and they're, you know, I've heard the argument said, well, if you're going to say he doesn't get any mark off for, for steroids and he's the greatest player of all time, why wasn't he number one? Well, he gets some mark off. I'm not. I'm not saying. I mean, that, that's a part of his story. Even when I mean, this was not. Uh, you know, this was this was the greatest players of all time. This was not a Hall of Fame vote. This was literally yeah, my, yeah, yeah. my feeling. Yeah, who the different. greatest players of all time. So, but it's still a, it's still a, a black mark for him. I mean, <laughs> you know, and and same thing with Clemens. I think Clemens. Pure numbers, pure career, greatest pitcher ever was. You can make that uh, argument I think better for than sure. Walter Johnson, but. I think steroids marks him down, and he was not. He was third for me uh, behind Satchel Page and Walter Johnson. I mean, I just feel like if you're going to, if you're going to look at the whole career, you're going to look at the whole career. I'm not going to, I'm not going to eliminate somebody for for what they did. Um, How many of his but, Cy Youngs but, did he win after he started doing steroids? Him. I don't know. There's no way I put Clemens ahead of Greg Maddox or Randy Johnson. There's no or, or Pedro. There's no way. But oh no, because of the yeah. steroids though. Because of how many of his size did he win because he did steroids? Because his career but I'm was saying, in decline. But I'm saying, but what I'm saying is, if you threw PEDs right. out, oh yeah, pure numbers, oh, absolutely. It's it's he won unbelievable. Seven Cy Youngs, at, didn't he? Yeah, he won seven <laughs> Cy Youngs. I mean, I I've done this before where Damn. he basically was Pedro 
plus Sandy Koufax in his career. <laughs> yes. I mean, that's basically the career he had. So, you know, it's insane. It's absolutely And insane. he was as thick as both of those guys tied together. <laughs> he really was. Uh, God, I shook his hand one time in Toronto when he was in, when he went to Toronto. Uh, I did. I talked to him before a game, and I shook his hand. Biggest hands I have ever oh, yeah. shaken. And that's and I covered the Dolphins for a couple years. He had bigger yeah. hands than anybody on the Dolphins. His hands were hams. They were. I don't know how he threw a baseball with those hands. Baseball <laughs> must have been like a golf that's ball. Why with he had hands. that split? God, that's why he had that split. Crazy. Exactly right. He could put that thick, huge gap between thick his fingers. fingers too. They were like they were they were. Yeah, it wasn't like it was the opposite of Pedro. With the double jointed and all that skinny fingers. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I was looking at Barry's numbers, man. It's like, does he continue They're hitting absurd. an average thirty six homers a year that he had from ninety through ninety nine? Those were his ages twenty five to thirty four seasons. So his career would have started declining there. I mean, if he's like <laughs> almost every other great player, you know, that's a, even the chippers and all those guys, their careers start to decline right then, right, right. So. Yeah, that's right. You know, and, 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 but, but by then he was already, to me, he was already a Hall of Famer. Yeah, right. Eight. I mean, you know, and, 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 and honestly, I mean, for his legacy, uh, it would have been better for him to retire. It right? I mean, like if he had, if he had retired at 33, he'd be in the Hall of Fame well, right now. This. There's no, there's no You've probably done this something like this too. He had 302 with a 36 homer average, a 1,036 OPS, 179 OPS plus in a 10-year span through age 34. Yeah. The numbers are almost identical to what Trout has done. Right. Mike Trout's eight full seasons. I'm going to throw out his 40-game first season and his 53-game season last year. So for those eight full seasons, 308, he's averaged 35 homers, 1,009 OPS, 178 OPS plus compared to Barry's 179 for his first but Trout's done it. He's Trout's only 29 or 20, 28, yeah. 28. Well, cause he started so young. Right. right. So next year's his 29, age 29 season. Right. So, but the thing is with Barry, Trout has been just remarkably steady, right? He's OPSing. He's never OPS 1100, but his career OPS is a thousand. Yeah. He's only OPS lower than 963 one time in the past six years. He's never been lower than 993, and he had 1,071, 1,088, 1,083. I mean, this guy's a metronome. Oh, he's incredible. So he already has 302 homers, right? If he were to keep up this pace for six more seasons through his age 34 seasons, he'd have 512 homers. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. That would be almost exactly what Hank Aaron had through his age 34 season. Hank had 510 homers at that point in his career. He had, he had, because he had debuted at 20, played 15 full seasons to Trout's 10 seasons and eight full seasons so far, right? Yeah. So Aaron actually picked up the pace there, though, but it was only for five more years. He averaged 41 homers, had 203 and from his age, through his age 39 season. So that was kind of crazy right. how he went with the, it just hitting the power there for, for, so, well, that's what he—that's when he went to Fulton County, right? Stadium, right, right. That yeah. was really, you know, that was, and that got him to seven hundred and five through twenty seasons. So then he, get, then he, you know, his career, the numbers, his play games played, and all that went down. Then he had 20, 12, and ten in those last three years. Played only one hundred and twelve yeah. games, uh, age forty season, eighty five games this last year at age forty two. Okay, but anyway, that's my long way of getting to. If Trout were to maintain the pace that he's been on his eight first full seasons, 
for another 10 seasons <laughs> still, yeah. to yeah. age 38, he'd have 652 yep. homers. It's crazy. Yeah. So now consider yeah. what Bonds debuted at 21. He had 445 homers through his age 34 season. 445. Really yep. impressive. First ballot Hall of Fame stats. He'd won three MVP awards in a four-year span, age 25-20. Four other top five MVP finishes through his age 32 season. Well, right? incredible. And look, and, and as great as Trout is, I mean, Trout, you right. know, as, as a hitter or whatever, I mean, he also won the Gold Glove every single year, and he stole 450 bases in those 10 years, too. I mean, and, you know, through age 34. Which, I mean, he was... Which is what he pisses was me off about astounding. what Barry has done, because we look at Trout as one of the greatest players ever, had easily right. the greatest player of the last decade, and what Barry did, OPS-wise, I mean, is like 20% better than what Trout yeah. has done in his best it's, year. Truly incredible. Wow, but that, that's truly, wild. But it's incredible because he did tons of steroids. Nobody else is ever going to be able to do it. So that pisses me off is, well, we look at Trout, and we go, some people are going to look 50 years from now, going to look at Trout's numbers and go, yeah, but he wasn't even nearly as good as that Barry Bonds dude. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they'll, they'll say that, but I believe even 50 years from now, it, Barry Bonds might not be in the Hall of Fame. So I don't, right, right. I don't know that anybody's going to, uh, you know, so, really. Uh, so do Barry that. put so, on the, the massive. I mean, I saw Barry in the skin tight undershirts he'd wear before the games when he'd go out in the dugout to show off. Not only that, he wanted to show off that body. He didn't want to just, you know, he wanted to show. Well, sure. He'd go out and do interviews <laughs> in his black short sleeve skin tight undershirt back when those were first being worn, the Under Armour and stuff. And you're looking at him going, oh, my God, this guy's a, a yeah. bodybuilder. He was bigger than like yeah. an NFL linebacker because those guys aren't that muscular. I mean, that huge because he couldn't move <laughs> if they were. So anyway, he was. so beginning with his age 35 season, Bonds hit 258 homers in a five-year span. <laughs> he averaged 52 yeah. homers while posting a 1,316 OPS and a 241 OPS plus. Beginning in his age 35 season. Through Incredible. age 30. That's ridiculous. <laughs> hey, I, what, baseball's never been played at a higher level than that. No. No, never. <laughs> Won four no, consecutive never. NBA P awards, 36 to 39, age 36 to 39 seasons. So, well, everybody, you know, they, everybody <laughs> talks about when you, when you talk about the craziness of the Bonds years, you know, the year that he, that he walked 263 200, times yeah. because he, or whatever he walked because he intentionally walked 120 times. In 2002, when he was only intentionally walked 68 times, yeah. he hit 370. Look, that guy could have hit yeah. 400 yeah. during that I, stretch. I will give him this. You know? I'll say this. You walk, he walked 30, uh, 232 times in his age 39 season. Yeah. But for a guy that was getting walked like three times a game. and He didn't miss his pitch. How could you he still not miss, miss a pitch when you got? How could you be ready every time? Because he was. Matter how many well, steroids you're on, I mean that, that's what's that's incredible. Right. Like about I watched the Braves. They, I watched Bobby throw shit after they made a mistake. Bobby said, "Do not make the mistake to him." Back to back games, he hit a tenth inning walk off the golf of the Braves left hander out in San Francisco. After the Braves said Bobby would not pitch around him in those situations, he would say, or, or he wouldn't intentionally walk him. He said, "Pitch around, don't give him anything to hit," and. They just left one barely caught the plate, and Bonds just Gone. destroyed it. And yeah. it pissed Bob Barry and pissed Bobby off because he would not just give in and just intentionally walk him in the tenth inning. You know? <laughs> okay, look, look, look at this. All right, in two thousand four, he hit three sixty two, right, with forty five homers, one hundred one RBIs. That was the year he walked two hundred and sixty three times. No, how many times did he walk? He walked. Uh, 
232 yeah. times. That's yeah. the record. When he was intensely walked 120 times, he struck out 41 times. That's that so year. stupid. 41. It's absurd. How about his OB, how about OBP that absurdity. year? 609. Yeah. Come on, man. He got on base 61% of the time. Yeah. I mean, it's, it was ridiculous. You can't tell me that wasn't good for the game. He's 39 years old. Well, all freak shows are good for a while. He's 39 years old. What? He's older than anybody in the game right now? Any hitter? Yeah. Yeah. He's 39 years old. He had a 1422 OPS. But, but here's another thing, though, to think about Bonds. It's absurd. But here's the other thing about Bonds. That that I do think. Look again when you're talking about. We're not talking about the Hall of Fame. Talking about how you you view a guy. He wasn't the only one using steroids, all right? right? I mean, he was that, and he didn't have better steroids than other players. Well, clearly okay, he so, did. Balco was doing the right ones with him. I well, <laughs> but he wasn't the only one with Balco. Well, there were some either. other great players. And, then, so why didn't any of the other players OPS twelve hundred when he was OPS? Because they weren't very balls. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Well, I don't believe that. Like, I mean, this is what happens when you when you mix. Well, the greatest player with steroids. With, with <laughs> steroids. pretty you cool. Give one of the five to ten greatest players ever, and you give him cool steroids, happens. then you, yeah, it, you get, it'd be like if you gave Trout, I want to say if, put, if Trout I'd put love on to see 40, it. he'd be 280 pounds, so I don't know if that'd be good. I'd watch it. But <laughs> I'd be Trout's, tuning in. Trout's pretty, Trout's pretty thin. Yeah, he's already I don't know that there's, a, there's not a lot that, that Trout I mean, I mean, to put four, 50 pounds of muscle on Tatis and see what happens. You know? Oh my God! Or Acuna. Yeah, well, uh, yeah, Acuna. Uh, Acuna. Uh, Soto. Yeah. So right. anyway, so just uh, I'm sorry, but uh, I just I had to mention this. He in his last eight seasons through age 42, he OPSed 1241. <laughs> Mike Trout has never OPSed 1100, and he's he OPSed a thousand in his last year. When, when Trout he was like, is 28, so 28. He's never OPSed 1100. <laughs> Barry was OPS and twelve forty one. I saw Barry have a. Um, I saw him. I saw one Barry Bonds at bat in person. Yeah, you because know, it's the end of, end of his career. Is beginning of mine. It was spring training in two thousand seven with the uh, with the Giants, and he was p- hitting against the Mariners. He hit a ball that I thought the second baseman could have caught, and he inside outed <laughs> it, and it tailed to the top left center corner of the batter's eye. I mean, it was this ball was still going up. So I saw one at bat by the guy, and it's the hardest ball I've ever seen hit in my life. Wow. So yeah. I mean, he was he was something so tr- else. I mean, he so really if Trout, was yeah, we'll else. never see it again, obviously. But if Trout did for ten more seasons, like he like he's done in the first eight full seasons, he'd have six hundred and fifty two homers. He'd be thirty nine years old, and he'd be a hundred and ten home runs shy of Barry Bonds record. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, it'd be, be he'd also be a hundred shy of of uh, of Henry Aaron, and and, and I Hank think played till you know for twenty three seasons and. Yeah. I know, but still, and, and, what a Barry I got mean, blackballed though. I mean, he might have got to eight hundred if he if he kept getting jobs. <laughs> but I I just thought the thing with with you know we we could talk about bonds obviously forever, but I I still find even though the number is different, uh, what Henry Aaron did, he never hit fifty homers in a yeah. season, and for him to go ahead and put up seven fifty five, that's just there's ne- that's I thought Pujols was going to be like that, not not necessarily. Uh, hit 700 home runs, but I thought because he had an 11, 10 or 11 year strand where every single year was the same yeah. year. Yeah. yeah. And Hank bombs. Aaron did that for 20 years. Yeah. Every crazy. year was the yeah. same year. 30 to Just 44, amazing. 45 homers. That was it every year. 
330 to 44 home runs every year, 100 RBIs, 100 runs every year. I mean, just what a what a well, force. But what if, a force. if Trot did put on 40, 50 pounds of muscle right now, and he and he went on the pace that Bonds did, I looked at this. If he did that, the Bonds pace, <laughs> yep. if he hit like Bonds did, he could hit another 540 homers and finish <laughs> with 842. Yeah, be, I, I don't think he's going to do I that. See that. I don't happening. think he's going to do that. Bonds hit no. 540 homers from his age 29 season through the end of his career. 540. That's how. That's where. That's where Trout is right now. But you know what's interesting with with his home runs thing is he had the 73. Obviously, everybody remembers he never hit 50 in in any other year. That was the only year he hit 50. He hit 73. Really? I mean, it's, you know, yeah, but he never hit 50 any other because year. he never got pitches uh, to hit. He walked 200 times. Yeah. After he well, hit 70, right. he stopped seeing anything. Right. Look how, Start look at the, the ratio, well, though. He, the ratio, the home run ratio per oh, bat when he was walking on it. It was absurd. Well, yeah. Like, <laughs> only, only, only McGuire. Only McGuire has anything even resembling the, uh, the homers per so bat. So says yeah, peak yeah. steroid years. He was pretty. Incredible he did, but doing, not, but, but not the yeah. same home runs per bat because he never. Maguire, yeah, Maguire has more home, home runs. runs per hit. He had 149 and 46 <laughs> of them. 46 of his 149 hits were home runs. Maguire yeah, had a couple of years where he hit more homers than uh, singles. Singles. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I was there. I covered that. So did Dave I covered King that home run chase year, man. I was a beat writer for the Marlins, and those two came through a lot. I saw a lot of Maguire's home runs that year. Me too. Uh, including the longest one absurd. he supposedly ever hit at at uh, <clears throat> at Bush, five hundred and forty five oh, yeah. is what they called it. It was off the. Uh, it was just to the right of dead center, and it was off that the second deck facade at Old Bush, which the second deck facade was like maybe forty yards beyond the fence because that was that round stadium in multi purpose. Just absurd. Yeah. Just Ma- absurd. Look, I still say McGuire is the greatest home run hitter I've ever seen. Yeah, yeah. Look, as great as Bonds was, and he had that seventy-three homer year, and he had, you wouldn't miss yeah, a pitch. Yeah, no other player has ever had people pack the stands to watch batting, practice. batting practice. It was so crazy. I mean, it was just. In, just I, 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 I saw him hit the one at uh, at Joe Robbie it was then Joe Robbie Stadium off Kevin Brown that went. We thought it was going to clear the stadium. He hit it so hard off the bat that I stood up and I went, "Oh my god!" I didn't even know I was doing that. I stood up and to watch it. And it landed, you know how they had the tarps covering the upper deck at Joe Robbie? It landed yep. a little over two-thirds of the way up the upper deck on the tarp. Oh. And he hit it so hard with so much top spin that it rolled up like another 12 rows. <laughs> it rolled almost to the last row before it rolled back down. Wow. We thought it was going to leave the, the whole stadium. And afterwards... Somebody asked Kevin Brown, you know how you can ask a guy about giving up a home run, and your average pitcher's going to laugh about it, just go, holy shit, did that land yet? They're going to make somebody made the mistake. They didn't know Kevin Brown very well and said, What about that home run, man? You ever seen one hit that far? And Kevin Brown looked at the guy like, I'm going to kill you when I yeah. leave this ballpark. <laughs> I, I can't even imagine anybody just asking. Grim look. He looked at him. He goes, <laughs> What kind of question is that? Do you, are you serious? What? What do I think about it? And he just looked. Oh my God, Kevin Brown! It was like he was having none of that. Yeah, those are better to give up than the wall scrapers. <laughs> yeah, that, I bet that's true. I bet that's true. Glendon Rush gave up one of those, uh, one of those home runs at Bush Stadium, and I remember going up to Glendon afterward and saying, "Man," and Glendon was like, "Dude, 
he hit that home run. I wanted a high five. Him. I mean, it was like, it was, it was so far. Oh, I wanted man. a high five. I had a gun hit one off that, off me like that, where I didn't even turn around. <laughs> it was so clean and powerful coming off his bat. The ball, it's in like a, it was like the size of a beach ball when it flew out of the park. And it, yeah. I got into the dugout and I asked Derek Lowe, I was like, did that go in the second deck? And D Lowe just looks at me and he goes, come again. He goes, second deck. <laughs> he goes, it almost hit the scoreboard. I was like, all right, that's why I didn't look. You know, I mean, there's an appreciation to a ball being hit that damn pure. That's oh, it's pretty God, cool. Yeah. I gave up. I just uh, got too confused. Though. That was the big cat homer off Kevin Brown. That was Galarraga's home run. Yeah, Cause, I saw that oh, one. Yeah. Right, because, yeah, that was the one that almost cleared the state. But McGuire hit one. Because that was a more almost down the left field line. It was barely a McGuire hit one though that was like left center, and it was In halfway up the tarp. <laughs> yeah. So it was actually longer. Sheesh. He hit one there because that year he would just hit so many off the Marlins. Every one of them. That were was just a, and that was a Marlins team that was like had a bunch of young kids that, that did not need to be up there, you know. And uh, oh my God! But yeah, that was Big Cat's home run off Kevin Brown because the next day, Dennis Cook threw at Kevin Brown. Or threw it to Big Cat. You know, Big Cat was with the Rockies at the time. And yeah. Dennis yeah. Cook's pitch for the Marlins. Threw it. Dennis Cook was a nasty dude. He was, you know, that was back in the day. You threw it a guy the next day. He threw it yeah. Big Cat. Bobby Bowes playing third base for the Marlins. Big Cat charges the mound. Bobby Bow runs in from third base. I got to watch this. Bobby Bow's like, he's 250. Big Cat's like 250. <laughs> and Bobby Bow, just before he gets, because Dennis Brown wasn't going back down. Dennis Brown's probably 200 pounds, maybe. He's a lanky dude, but he threw his glove. He won't go back down. He stood on the mound. Big Cat's just about to get to him. Bobby Bow comes in, bear hugs. Big cat and holds it back just enough for the other guys to come running in. After the game, I asked Bobby Bo about it. Man, you grab big cat. He goes, That's a big boy. The big cat is a big boy. <laughs> uh, yeah. Look it up, man. It's a you can find there it on some YouTube. Big ones back then. You can find it on YouTube though. That was five hundred pounds of dude, man, right there. That's classic. Yeah, that was great. But yeah, that was the big cat homer that almost cleared the whole thing. But anyway. All right, man. I've kept you. This is crazy. I, I know you didn't mean to get on there this long. I had some other stuff on it, but this is cool. We, we're so happy to get that you shared all this stuff with us, Co. Yeah, that was good stuff. It's a, absolutely a blast. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it, man. And uh, we'll uh, we'll be back with you guys here soon enough. I'm sure. Hopefully, some stuff happens soon with the Braves. But we didn't want to waste time speculating on the next move when it might be in an hour and it might be in two weeks. So yeah. But this was much better getting the chance to talk to you. And I promise I won't do it to you again because you gave us you gave us too much time. Thanks a lot, Joe. We appreciate it, man. Thank you. All right. Thanks, Joe. That's 755, and we are out. And by the way, 755 was and is real. Yeah.